Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by the newest members of the Studio Soapbox Network. That is Joe Scanlon and Creighton Branch, the host of the Vivo Boys podcast, which is available every Monday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We will look back on Kansas's win over Texas. You heard that right. It happened for the second time in five years. We'll also have our Tom Fullery story of the week, Coach Post football fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, a loaded show. Thanks for making us a part of your day here on the Jones Report as Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, I'm still basking in all the glory right now. Kansas, another win against Texas. First road win in the Big 12 Conference for Kansas since 2008. What a time to be alive. It happened. It really happened. And we opened up this show last week talking about that we felt that Texas had a bit of a hydration issue. And I think our theory was proven a fact, especially that defense was certainly dehydrated, Tom. Yeah, they had to be to allow that many points to KU. I mean, and then in a game, you know, prior that KU, what they had a – did KU, who did KU play the week prior? K-State. That's right. And took, that's right. And took an ass whooping. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, you're, you kind of like think about it and you're like, golly, am I, am I as shocked as the first time? No. No, not. Um, last week I told you when we were talking about the game, I said, Jones, I don't know. I said, I don't want to say it. I said, you go back towards the end of the round, Big 12 roundup. I said, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. it in, insinuating that KU had a shot. Um, I'm not, again, though, I'm not near as shocked as the first time. Um, but hats off to KU anyway. You know, that's not an easy place to play, even if Texas sucks. Um, it's a lot of people uh, in one stadium, especially compared to however many KU usually sits. Um, it's not an easy place to play. Um, and so for KU to pull that off, it really, really, really shows what Leopold's doing there uh, for the culture. Uh, you know, they talk about Texas, you know, Sark's guys not playing for him. Um, and, you know, it'd be easy not to play for KU or, you know, when your season's already done, not to, to keep that intensity. And hat like, again, hats off to Leopold. He's keeping the intensity is building the culture, um, building culture that Texas obviously doesn't have. Man, I bet Texas wishes they had Lance Leipold right now. Man. Oh, I bet they do. And to see how everything ended up playing out of the two-point conversion play, going to overtime, everything just going Kansas's way. I even celebrated prematurely, Tom. I – thought that when they had that interception in the end zone with a minute left, I'm like, all right, game over, Kansas wins. And then not so fast, Texas uses their timeouts and get some points to send it into overtime. But it's a long time coming. And what a day it was for Kansas. Lance Leipold, the Legion is alive and well. And people aren't talking about this enough, Tom. Kansas did this with a third-string quarterback, might I add. Jason Bean was injured. Miles Kendrick was injured. And they throw out there Jalen Daniels. And Jalen Daniels plays the game of his life. Devin Neal 
a Lawrence kid, four-star recruit, former Kansas high school player of the year, has the game of his life. I mean, they make movies about these type of things. That was a movie in real time that we saw Kansas beating Texas. Uh, I'm going to be riding this one for a while. You know, was I a little disappointed that Oklahoma lost to Baylor? Sure. But my day was completely salvaged and saved with uh, that Kansas win over Texas. I'm still on cloud nine right now. Oh, as you should be. should be for the rest of the season. I saw that Jalen Daniels to continue playing for the rest of the year and essentially burn his red shirt. Um, you know, I don't know how I feel about that, but I mean, hell, let him play. Um, if that's, you know, what he wants to do, because this KU team, you take this win and you build on it. Um, I don't know who they have this week, but, um, you know, you, you gotta be happy, you know, with, if you're KU here, Oh uh, yeah, it's a lot to build on. I mean, it's, I, I know Texas is down this year. Uh, well, has been down for since Charlie Strong, but uh, you know, just a big win like that over a program that you you know, for, if you're a Texas fan, you you're not nobody loses to KU, except for you know, out of conference opponents that are lowly. You right. Know. Kansas um, is clearly ready for the SEC now. I mean, I mean, I guess so. I mean, at this point, maybe they beat uh Maybe maybe they beat a team like uh, Lowly Florida or uh, Vandy, Alabama. You know, yeah. Right. Um, my favorite story of all this is Jared Casey, the fullback that caught the two point conversion play. He had never taken an offensive snap before Saturday night, and he's a walk on from little old Plainville, Kansas, and he was able to catch that pass and secure the victory. And now he's locked up in IL deals with a, with a car dealership in Topeka and Applebee's. So he's going to be enjoying some fancy date nights across the great Applebee's around the state of Kansas. You know, after all that, Tom, I might, knowing that Applebee's stepped up like this, I might change my tune on that Applebee's song. Maybe, now I'll start to give in and say, you know what? You guys did a good thing. Um, you know, keep keep playing the song. Bring it back then. Right. Fancy like guys never played an offensive staff. See, I like that story, but I like to see his parents freak out. I'm sure you've seen that video. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool, and it's cool for him. I heard there's camera crews in Lawrence, uh, what, on Monday, videoing him and probably interviewing him and him stuff. I wonder how he – fits into the offense going forward does that spark uh you know a a run for him i don't know Um, right you know i mean that's a big play it's it's kind of the very poor man's uh hunter renfro touchdown of the championship right i mean it it felt like winning a national championship for kansas oh yeah you see i mean of course it has to you know you beat texas at texas the jokes it's not like they beat ou or even Oklahoma State or some other new team, they had already had Texas's number. I mean, it'd been a couple of years, but uh, that, I guess maybe that's why I'm not near as shocked. If they had pulled up the upset on anybody else, it wouldn't feel as right. What I would uh, say, though, Tom, is, well, I'm not as shocked as I was the first time. This one, I think, is more embarrassing for Texas, though, 
considering that, you know, Charlie Strong was on the way out last time. This is a first-year head coach in Sark. There was such high expectations for Texas this year. And for them to lay an egg like that and lose at home to Kansas, a home game nonetheless, I think that's what differs here is it's not as surprising, but it is uh, a situation that's more embarrassing for Texas. Well, I'll wrap up on this and we can move on with the rest of the day's show because we got plenty to discuss, is that on the Kansas football front, this type of win, what it does for this program. You know, I was talking about this on Local News Live the other night that I don't know what the future holds for Kansas football or Kansas athletics when it comes to conference realignment or getting a new stadium built, you know, or a renovation project done of sorts, or when it comes down to budget, where they're going to be and trying to get this program back competitive once again. But at least for one night, little old lowly Kansas put all of that aside and was able to take down the behemoth that is the Texas Longhorns. I get it, Texas is down. They're not playing great. They haven't been relevant for a decade. But Texas has a bigger athletic budget than anybody in the country. They have all the resources in the world you could think of. And Kansas still goes in there with a walk-on from Plainville. There was not a single guy on this Kansas roster that was recruited by the University of Texas. And to go in there and pull that off, with a first-year head coach and Lance Leipold, it makes you feel like a kid on Christmas, that you have that sense of belief once again. And this program has been embarrassed about every way imaginable on and off the field over the last several years. And for one night, none of that mattered, that this night belonged to the Kansas Jayhawks, and it was well-deserved. So that's what I look back as just enjoy this moment and – Try to build from it and uh, see where things go from there. So uh, certainly, they could, they could make a they could make a movie out of it that would be better than the Kurt Warner movie coming out. Oh, with the fat Kurt Warner. Right, exactly. Man, my my favorite line at at the end of everything was oh, uh, Lance Leipold. He said, uh, "I'm hard right now." My coach, he his did, name. He did not say that. He did say that. Yes. He didn't follow it up with anything else. He just said, I'm hard right now. He did follow up with something, but I, I did see those words said. I mean, rightfully so. Right? I mean, I mean we, if we I was had, a KU fan, I'd be hard. Oh, yeah, full-on sports boner. You better believe it. It's just a shame you couldn't be at the Hawk. <laughs> right? That's what I was wishing. Um, the goalpost did not come down, but, Tom, they did burn a couch. I did see they tried to get in the stadium to take the goalpost down. It was a it was a valiant effort, but it didn't quite work. I think they should have let him. Right. Put it in Potter's I mean, Lake, call the day. The hell with it. I'd let him take the whole lot of I'd let him burn down David Booth Stadium if that's what they wanted to do. Give him a good call the insurance and get the insurance money and build a new one. Perfect. I love it. Great idea. Let's go around the National Football League as we do to start out each show. And we got a lot to uh, break down today, Tom. Uh, Thursday night football coming up tonight with the Patriots and the Falcons. Let's start there. The Patriots last week just beat the crap out of the Cleveland Browns. And you look at this Patriots team, 
they have some flaws. They are not a complete football team by any stretch of the imagination. But Bill Belichick, Tom, this is one of the best coaching jobs I think we've ever seen from Bill Belichick. He is getting the most out of this team. Mac Jones has a nice completion percentage of 69% right now. And he is playing so well at that spot. You know, he's, he's playing better than, you know, what Tom Brady did at this point in his career. I mean, like, you know, for now, anyway, I'm not, I'm not going beyond that, but he's off to a good start. He's playing very well. Um, And you look at Atlanta, they're four and five. They beat New Orleans one week. They uh, get bullied around by the Cowboys the next week. I think that uh, the Patriots win this one, Tom. Uh, maybe we trigger Falcons fans here. Maybe something like 28-3. Uh, yeah, maybe so. I, I think that's doable. And, you know, they, they said Cordell Patterson um, for the Falcons is game-time decision. Uh, he got injured last week. And, you know, the, you know, the Falcons – played a Cowboys team the, the week before that absolutely got shellacked. Uh, and then Dallas comes out and shellacks the Falcons. Uh, you're, you're playing a short week against the Patriots team that's on the up and coming. Uh, I, I don't like Atlanta's chances here. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the Patriots right now, Tom, I don't think this is a team that's going to be competing for the Super Bowl, but the way that they've played – especially down the stretch here, it would surprise me if they're not involved in the playoffs, if they're not making some noise of some sort. I'd be shocked, too. I would be the last team I'd want to play in the first round. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, they're, they're certainly playing some really well, the, the last, The last wild card, that is. Right, right. The uh, Colts taking on the Bills. The Colts have played better as of late. Carson Wentz uh, looking decent. They're back to 500 at five and five. Meanwhile, the Bills are at six and three. And Tom, the Bills, some might argue, are the best team in the AFC, but they've taken their lumps at times. You lose to the Jags a couple of weeks ago, and then you turn around and blow out the Jets 45 to 17. You shut out the Texans 40 to nothing, but then you lose to you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers week one and such. I'm, you know, I, I think when when teams are playing at their best, the Bills are the best team in the AFC when they play at their best. But I don't know if we're going to see the Bills playing at their best here. I think that they're a much more talented, much better team than the Indianapolis Colts are. But ultimately, what Buffalo Bills team is going to show up here? Right. They, they dropped that game against the Titans for, by going for it, you know, and, you know, if, if you get that, you praise them. If they don't, we make fun of them, whatever. But the Bills remind me of, and at this point in the season, uh, you can probably think what's coming. The Bills remind me of the Rams. Um, you know, they, they have the potential to absolutely whoop that ass, but then they go out and, and you know, play games like you mentioned against the Jags against the Steelers, okay, against the Titans. Uh, the Rams on Monday Night Football got their ass whooped by the Niners. No business for that ass whooping. Uh, but it's just like you're, you're right. They have the potential to be the best. But I, I don't know if they realize it or not or they just start overlooking people. I don't, I don't know yet. Yeah, they're hard to figure out. I like the Bills, but um, 
we'll see what Bill's team ultimately shows up. It's it's really this is not a knock on the Colts, Tom, but I feel like this game comes down to whether or not the Bills beat themselves. Oh, 100%. That's, you know, that's most weeks for the Bill, Bills. And I, I agree, it's not a knock on the Colts because, you know, the Colts have been riding high here lately. The Colts have kind of looked good. Yeah, they have. The Ravens taking on the Bears. The Ravens at six and three, the Bears at three and six. Tom, uh, looking at this game here, on paper, it, it seems easy to pick the Ravens here, but I would say the one caveat in all this is that the Bears have played really well against run-first teams, and that's what the Baltimore Ravens are. And Khalil Mack, he might be back this week, might not be. Justin Fields has played well as of late. This could be a better game than people realize. Yeah, and, and you know, I see a lot of projections of the – the Bears are going to get just smoked. I don't think so. Uh, the Bears have been showing, you know, more intensity than they did in their first couple of games. Uh, I still like the Ravens in this one, but I, I don't think it's going to be the blowout that everybody thinks it's going to be. Yeah. Um, the Lions taking on the Browns. The Lions at 08 and 1. The Browns at 5 and 5. Lions last week get that tie against the Steelers. So they will not be the first ever 0-17 team. And they had a bye week the week before. Tom, the Lions haven't lost in the month of November yet. All right, not yet. You know, they're still uh, they're still alive in the month of November. It's maybe they need uh, maybe they need to draft Brock Purdy. And so they can have, you know, a, a, a new Brock October and be better in, in the tenth month. Right. The, uh, the Browns, on the other hand, at five and five. Baker Mayfield is pretty banged up right now. They played terrible against the Patriots last week, getting blown out like they did. At this point in the season, this is one that the Browns have no excuse of losing. You have this game here against the Lions, then you take on the Ravens in uh, one week, take a bye week, play the Ravens again. And you finish out with the Raiders, Packers, Steelers, and Bengals. It's it's put up for shut up time for the uh, the Browns here at five and five at this point. Uh, they they got to find a way to put it together. It's now or never essentially. And this one, it's it's a give me. It's a give me. You can't let this one slip away, Tom. Brian, you know for the Browns, I, I would assume for them, you have to probably win five, probably at least. Or well, I know at least five, maybe six of the last seven to even get a chance. And uh, I don't know if I can see him doing that. Yeah. If, if you made me guess right now, Tom, I would say the Browns are going to miss the playoffs. I, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, they've kind of shot themselves in the foot here and there. It's, it wouldn't be shocking to say that. But, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of questions. I know Baker's been hurt, and there's a lot of questions in the in the future of Baker Mayfield, a quarterback for the Browns. So, I mean, I, it, you're right. It's put up or shut up time. They're, they have to find their identity and quick. The Titans taking on the Texans. Tom, do the uh, Titans win by uh, 14, 21, 28? What are we thinking here? How bad is it going to be? You know, the Titans have been playing really good football uh, as of late, and even without Derrick Henry kind of shocking the world essentially um but you know i i like them to win by less than 21 i don't think they're gonna blow out the texans but i could be wrong i could be wrong you know they're 
AJ Brown could have a big day. Um, hell, the I forget the other wide receiver's name that had a big day last week for the Titans. So you know they're they're rolling right along. I'll tell you what, Mike Vrabel, underrated, I think. Yeah, I would think Vrabel's the top five coach in this league, and I love his philosophy that he's not a guy that's going to out-scheme you. They want to beat you up front, want to hit you in the mouth. And it's been successful. It's worked for them so far to this point. And with the Titans at 8-2, and two, how well they've played even without Derrick Henry. Get the win last week against the Saints. Titans, Tom, I think right now are the best team in the AFC, although I think the Bills have the potential to be – they have the highest ceiling when it comes to – who's the best on their best day, but the Titans are the best team right now. I wonder when you look at how much better the NFC is compared to the AFC right now with teams like the Packers, the Rams, the Cardinals, uh, you know, up and down the line here, the Cowboys, how would the Titans stack up, you think, against those teams in the NFC? Well, we've already seen them blow out the Rams. Um, they would for sure beat up on this Kyler Murray-less Cardinals team. We saw Carolina do it. Um, you know, the Packers, you know, now they're missing Aaron Jones. I don't know. We'll, you know, it's we'll see how much he actually matters. You know, A.J. Dillon seems to just do fine. Um, but, you know, the Packers are a threat. It's getting cold up in Green Bay. I don't know that Tennessee would win in Green Bay. Um I, I think Titans and the Bucks are probably on the same level right now. Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. You mentioned the Packers. They take on the Vikings this week. We've been calling for Mike Zimmer to be fired for a while, and he's still employed there. They get a win last week against the Chargers. And this team, it, it, it feels like a, like a sore throat of some sorts or, or a cough that just when you think you've gotten rid of it, it starts to come back up again. And that's what we're seeing with this Vikings team that, you know, they, they're still hanging around. They're not out of playoff contention, technically at four and five. Meanwhile, the Packers at eight and two, the defense played phenomenal last week, shutting out the Seattle Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers didn't play great, but it was good enough in his first game back here. Tom, I really like, we know the Packers offense is terrific and what they can do with Aaron Rodgers, but that defense last week, that was something else. I know Russell Wilson wasn't 100%, but I think that may have sent a message to the rest of the league that the Packers are looking like a complete football team here. I mean, yeah, that's like the first time I think maybe this first – it's either the first or just the second time that Russell Wilson's ever been shut out. Um, and that's saying a whole lot. So, you know, it's – Maybe they're putting the league on notice. I mean, they're getting hot maybe at the right time, even without, you know, they take the loss to the Chiefs. That's without Aaron Rodgers. They haven't had Devontae Adams uh, for a little bit of the season. He'd been out a couple of games, and now Aaron Jones to miss at least three weeks. Uh, you know, maybe they rely on the, backs of the back of their defense, which is be kind of odd to think. But, uh, you know, it sure looked like it last week. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, the Dolphins take it on the Jets. Dolphins at three and seven, Jets at two and seven. And the Jets, they're going to have an elite quarterback starting for them finally. Joe Flacco will be taking the reins after Mike White threw four interceptions last week. Just a couple of days prior, he said that he felt like he should have been the number one pick and then goes out there and puts on a four interception performance. 
They're at home. They're taking on this Dolphins team. Dolphins should take care of business, but Tom, I'm actually glad to see uh, Flacco back and uh, get a chance. Uh, always have a soft spot for for Joe Flacco. Right, I think so too. And you know, I have a bet going that the Jets won't won't win more than four games this season. Uh, they won two so far. So, uh, you know, or have they? Yeah, they won two. I believe only two, maybe three. They won know. two. Okay, so I can't have them winning anymore. Uh, I mean, they sure they can win two more games, but I like Flacco. Um, and I'm surprised a lot of other teams didn't try to poach him, right? You know, if you need need of a quarterback, I you know, let's let's say, for example, I would much rather have Joe Flacco than Mitch Trubisky as my backup quarterback. You would? See, I want it. I would take Mitch over Flacco right now. I mean, maybe right now. I, I, it's still – I mean, he hasn't really got a sh- – I mean, yeah, sure, he got it in the game last week. But he hasn't really got a, a shot back at prime. You know, right. Prime I mean, he won, a su- he won a Super Bowl. <laughs> right. I mean, you're right. You know, and, and sure, Mitch Trubisky got his team in the playoff. I mean, I just say Mitch Trubisky because same division. But, um, you know, I, I, I'll root for Flacco just enough until he doesn't win the game. Um, but – It'd be interesting to see. Did, did they say when Zach Wilson is supposed to be back? Uh, potentially next week. I mean, I don't know if that's going to change a whole lot either way, but, um, you know, that'll be interesting to see the little quarterback carousel there. Uh, Mike White had a shot and ruined it. Got a little too cocky and uh, shot himself in the foot. Plexico burst style. Ooh, <laughs> a little blow there, Tom. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, you need to look up Zach Wilson's girlfriend. She looks like that she could be his mother or something. Have you seen Zach Wilson's mother? I have. I'm going to say that, you, I mean, if it could be his mother, that means she's probably pretty hot. Oh, she is. She is. She's got the goods. We'll leave it at that. The uh, Saints taking on the Eagles. Saints at five and four. The Eagles at four and six. Here's some uh, interesting nuggets for you, Tom. In the last four weeks, the highest quarterback rating in the league belongs to Jalen Hurts. He's playing very well right now. The Eagles have played some better football as of late. The Saints, not too bad with Trevor Simeon here. And both these teams, Tom, not out of the playoff picture either. Right. I mean, they're both kind of, I think, feel like on the same level. I like what the Eagles have been doing recently. Uh, I think they've played some good football, and, and I like what Jalen Hurts has been able to do. He hasn't put up any crazy, crazy stat lines, in my opinion, um, but he's getting the job done. You don't um, think leading the uh, NFL and QBR over the last month is a crazy I mean, stat line? I mean, yeah, but I, I, I don't feel like they're like a pass, crazy pass-happy team. Right. I, I don't think, you know, they're not going to air rage you to death right i mean they have a very certain way of doing things it's almost almost when i watch them it almost feels unorthodox yeah compared to you know the new high powered offenses of the nfl i like what nick sirianni has done i think as of right now they've done a decent job that he, he looks like a pretty good hire i think so i mean i like like i said i like what the eagles are doing and i don't necessarily like any philly teams at all but uh, you know, they're, you know, they, they had a fall from grace after Carson Wentz, uh, you know, kind of, you know, Peterson got fired and, and 
trying to figure out some things, had a couple of bad years, and, and now I think they're finally getting it together. Devontae Smith looks really good, or did last week. Um, so I, I think they're putting the pieces together to, you know, in a weak division um, like they're in. You know, obviously they only have the Cowboys to worry about. Everybody else is, you know, they're not going to worry about Washington or what the Giants are doing. I think Philly can, you know, have a rise back to, to be able to compete with the Cowboys eventually. Not this year, but uh, in the next couple of years. The uh, football team taking on the Panthers, and you talk about a reunion. Not only is it Cam Newton's first game back in Carolina, as he's expected to start, but he'll be facing his old coach in Ron Rivera on the other side. This game is going to have all the feels. And Carolina, as much as I like P.J. Walker, and I wanted to see him get a shot, I understand why they brought Cam Newton in. And they're at 5-5, five and five, still in the playoff hunt here. Sam Darnold with how much he struggled the last few weeks before he got injured, there's a real opportunity here for Cam Newton, Tom. Cam Newton, he potentially could not only lead this team to the postseason, he could take that job back and just hold on to it here. There's a big chance not only to lead Carolina to the playoffs, but for Cam Newton to potentially establish himself as that starting quarterback there in, in his return, which would be quite the story. Right. No joke. You see what he said last week after scoring the second of his touchdowns against the Cardinals end up getting a flag for it. Uh, remind me. He said, I'm back. <laughs> and I thought, Oh no, here we go. I'm just, I'm, I'm almost more interested in what, what kind of outfit he's going to roll out for this week. Right. And he's going to go back to his ways. What I wonder on the other side for Washington, they get that upset win against the uh, you know Patriots Buccaneers. Last week. Buccaneers. Or, or against the Buccaneers. Sorry, thank you. Get that win against the Buccaneers. They're at three and six. They have the same record right now that they did at this point last year, and they went on to win the division here. Um, was that win an anomaly, Tom, or do you think uh, Washington? possibly could uh, come up with something here the, the last half of the season? You know, I don't think they can. Chase Young's out for the year um, with, the, with an ACL tear, I believe it is. Um, and I, I just don't think they can piece it together. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I'd be shocked if they could do it. I don't think they can piece together anything as far as a serious playoff push goes because their division – is a much different story this year with how good the Cowboys are. Um, and they're not going to be getting a wild card. So maybe they win a few games that they're not supposed to and possibly finish over 500. But I don't think that's good enough for them to get in the playoffs uh, as far as that goes. 49ers taking on the Jags. 49ers with a statement win on Monday Night Football over the L.A. Rams. Just an ass-kicking of the Rams on Monday night uh, on both sides of the ball. The Niners are finally healthy, and Garoppolo is looking decent. Maybe the Niners have turned a corner here. Maybe at four and five now, and beating one of the best teams in football the way that they did, might be time to uh, buy some stock in this Niners team. Tom, what do you think about the Niners going forward here? No, I don't think it's time to buy stock, and I'm not salty about the Rams either. I, I even said last week on the show, I said, I don't know so much about the Rams playing the 49ers. They haven't beat them. 
in a while. It's literally Sean McVay's kryptonite, unfortunately. And from the reports I've always heard about this, it's, I guess, uh, you know, Sean and um, freaking Shanahan are besties. Um, and it's like, damn it, you know, you can't, you, you can be this Shanahan is, you know, against the Rams, but you can't Shanahan any other teams. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I hate it. I, I said it though, said it last week. I don't trust this Rams team against the 49ers. And what happens, you know, you get OBJ first, first drive for the Rams. He tries to bomb it downfield. OBJ doesn't run the route right. I'm not saying that's his fault. He's brand new to the team, got to develop the chemistry. Niners pick it off, and from there, the Rams are screwed. Uh, you know, they didn't have a shot, to be honest, um, and and didn't get the ground game going. Uh, Stafford looked like Detroit Stafford, um, and it just got outcoached and outplayed. And, you know, maybe hopefully this is a wake-up call the Rams need going into bye week, but I'm still not buying the Niners. Okay. So you've heard it first there. The Bengals taking on the Raiders, both teams at five and four. The Raiders, I've been calling this for a couple of weeks, Tom, that the downfall was coming for this Las Vegas Raiders team, and they took an ass beating at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs at home on Sunday night. I think it's all starting to fall apart. The, the wheels are coming off the wagon for the Raiders. Meanwhile, the Bengals at five and four, they've had their moments. Joe Burrow – Looks like an MVP candidate. He's been terrific this year with close to 2,500 yards and 20 touchdown passes. And I know the Bengals, their offensive line isn't too great. But this one, I think that you're talking about the Bengals staying in playoff contention. The Raiders here, they'll drop this one, and we can finally say sayonara to the Raiders team. That's how I think this one goes, Tom. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, they – and I don't know so much of it was about the Raiders' downfall that it was maybe the Chiefs, like Travis Kelsey said, got their swagger back, um, which I thought that was pretty funny and a funny nod to history. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if they can piece it together. But you said it. You said it for a couple of weeks. The Raiders' impending doom was bound to happen, and it sure looked like that uh, last weekend. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The Cowboys taking on the Chiefs, and this could be the game of the year in the NFL. You're talking about two dynamic quarterbacks, Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs coming off that big win against the Raiders, as we just mentioned. The Cowboys with a dominating win last week against the Falcons. Chiefs are at home. They got the swagger back. Cowboys playing as, as good as anybody in football here. What I would look at, in this game, Tom, here, here's the key for me. If this is a shootout, I'm putting my money on the Chiefs. I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes in a shootout. If the Cowboys are going to win this game, they need to play some ball control football of some sorts. They need to rely on Zeke in that run game to go after Dan Sorensen and that weak Chiefs defense. To me, that's what will determine the outcome of this game is what is the game plan that Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy put together? If they emphasize running the football and establish the run early, I like the Cowboys' chances here. If it's a shootout, I'm riding with the Chiefs all day. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and if, if they can – if Mahomes can limit his mistakes, you know, that, that Dallas defense is stingy. I mean, they had their way with Matt Ryan. Uh, but, 
you know, Matt Ryan is no Mahomes. So let's hope they have their swagger back for one, for the sake of the Chiefs playoff, continued playoff hopes. Um, and two, uh, uh, for my fantasy team. Um, it'd be interesting. Clyde Lair Edwards is supposed to potentially come back this week. How much he'll actually get to play um, is still yet to be known. You know, Dan, uh, Williams is is doing a fine job. Um, and the, the undrafted guy, Gore, has kind of seen some time. So, uh, you know, where whereas the Chiefs were not super loaded in the backfield, um, and, you know, now I think they should feel pretty good at where they're at at running back position. So, I, you know, let's let's hope that the Chiefs can keep it up for my fantasy team's sake and for all of the Chiefs' kingdom. Uh, it's it's going to be a hell of a game this weekend. Yeah, and I would say, Tom, this game is much more important for the Chiefs than it is the Cowboys. The Chiefs 100%. are still contending for their division, although they're in first place. It's not a guarantee. And, you know, they're fighting for seeding. The Cowboys at 7-2 and two, and with where the NFC is at, it's not the end of the world if they drop this game. Maybe this is a Super Bowl preview. That has some potential. I get that. But this, for me, is a lot more about the Chiefs, more important for them than it is the uh, Dallas Cowboys here. Um, you know, the, 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 it's not the end of the world if the Cowboys lose this game. For the Chiefs, you fall to six and five. Even if you do still pull things out and win your division here, you're, you're coming away after building up momentum the last couple of weeks with just shaking your head like now we're back to square one again. Right. I, th- I think for the Chiefs, I think it's, it's very vital. Uh, for the rest of the season to, to what to, what are the kids saying out of the days, Jones, to keep that same energy uh, yeah. going forward. Yeah, I think you're right. Cardinals taking on the Seahawks. Cardinals are at eight and two, Seahawks at three and six. No Kyler Murray the last couple weeks, and the Cardinals really got it handed to them in uh, that loss that they uh, suffered to the Carolina Panthers. Seahawks, we mentioned, coming off that shutout loss to the uh, Green Bay Packers. Tom, um, you know, to me, this is all about whether the Cardinals are healthy or not. If, if Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins play, I don't see any problems with the Cardinals here. Yeah, but if they don't play, I mean, saw how last week how just vital that Kyler Murray is to this team, rightfully so. Uh, Cole McCoy, uh, no business being in the NFL. Um, played terrible. Uh, I mean, it was embarrassing, honestly. Um, Carolina's defense is not bad, but it's still Carolina, and and you don't just get shellacked like that. Um, so not not with the, you know, with the players you have on that offense, you don't get shellacked by a Carolina team like that. So, um, be interesting to see going forward. You know, if if Kyler Murray can't go, uh, Cardinals Cardinals might be in a little trouble. Yeah, they, they very well could be. Meanwhile, the Steelers and the Chargers on Sunday night football. The Steelers coming off that tie against Detroit. The Chargers coming off a loss against the Minnesota Vikings. Steelers at 5-3-1, and one, Chargers at 5-4. and four. The game will be played in Los Angeles, and probably a good chance there's more Steeler fans than a Charger fans in that building there. And both these teams, Tom, desperation mode at this point. They're both contending for the playoffs, trying to get in, trying to have a seat at the table here. Both these teams, I think it's it's desperate for both of them here. Chargers, they're the more talented team, but both these teams have the same issue, and that involves consistency. I don't know what Chargers or what Steeler team is going to show up 
And Mason Rudolph, he might be getting the start. They're uh, preparing as if he'll be the guy. Now, we've heard that Big Ben could clear uh, COVID protocols in time to still play this game. And Mike Tomlin has said that he doesn't need to practice to be able to play in the game. You know, nothing against Big Ben, but I think Mason Rudolph, now that he's got a week under his belt, a couple weeks is the, you know, getting first team reps and such. I would argue, Tom, Mason Rudolph gives the Steelers the best chance to win this game. And, you know, I didn't think he played bad in that game. Granted, oh. it is against the Lions. Did you see how much rain was coming down? The Steelers win that game outright, no problem. Um, I mean, there were so many fumbles. You know, first off in overtime, Johnson fumbled the ball. Then they don't have any timeouts left. They're going down the field. They try to throw it to whatever the tight end's name is. He's relatively new. It's a weird last name. Uh, he gets cracked, and, and somehow the ball sits pretty much as soon as he drops. It doesn't roll out of bounds. Um, and, you know, if he gets that, hangs on to it, and, and the Steelers can get back up the spike, and you got Boswell, who, who has a, quite a leg, um, to, to heartbreak Detroit in that game as well. Um, I give Rudolph the start. You know, if you listen to the show, you know me. Maybe you're saying, well, Tom, that's a little biased of you, considering where Mason Rudolph went to college, but I don't think it is. Um, you know, I don't know if you watched that game, Jones, but the little connection to, to James Washington felt like he got more targets than he usually does. Um, I know Claypool was kind of hurt, but, you know, I, I keep Mason Rudolph in. Uh, I mean, the time is going to come eventually where you're going to have to figure it out. And I, I think you got to let it, let it go where it's headed. Yeah, uh, I think you're right about that. On the Chargers end of things here, we've seen them when they're at their best. This is a really good football team. I think Brandon Staley has done a, a good job this year. And we've seen Justin Herbert play well. Um, I, I like what the Chargers have put together here. If if both teams are playing at their best, Tom, the Chargers should win this game. Yeah, and, you know, they – they, uh, I didn't feel like they played a full, complete game against the Vikings last week. I think the Chargers are kind of one of those teams uh, as well that kind of like – you know, I say this because they're in the same division as the Chiefs, but uh, you got to figure – they got to figure it out. I know Herbert's still a young quarterback, but – you know, at the beginning of the season, I felt like they showed a lot of promise, and now it's it's kind of the opposite. They should have no problems winning this week. Yeah, I think you're uh, you're right about that. Last one for you, Monday Night Football. The G-Men, the Giants taking on the Bucks. This is like the second time in three or four weeks that the Giants are on Monday Night Football. How is that allowed? That this should be illegal. No one wants to watch it's, the Giants. It must be the it must be the Manning cast, Eli collusion, right? Yeah. There is a Manning cast for this one. So, hmm, makes you think. The Bucks coming off that loss to uh, the Washington football team last week. The Giants, you know, we, we like Daniel Jones. He's played fairly well this year, but there's just no talent around him. They get a lot of issues. Joe Judge is going to be fired in a matter of weeks, maybe even after this game. Who knows? But Tom, uh, the Bucks. I think the Bucks are going to get back on track. They're at home. It's Monday night here. They should have their way with this Giants team. This this one could be over by halftime. Yeah, very well could be. And, and you know, for whatever reason, if it's not, the Bucks might be in a little trouble. Uh, not in terms of missing the playoffs, but there will be questions that arise. There's no – you know, you, you let a Washington team beat up on you. Brady throws two early picks. Um, you know, credit to Washington for what they did to the Bucks this week. Let's see if it's a fluke or 
I think it's probably just a fluke because uh, I think the Bucks are going to have their way. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, that is uh, your look around the National Football League here on the Jones Report this week. We'll have more NFL conversation when Coach Bo joins us for the Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group coming up later on in the show. Plus, we'll have our Big 12 breakdown as we'll look inside the Big 12 Football Conference. And we'll also have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well coming up at the end of the show. But first, we will bring in from the Bebo Boys podcast, uh, Joe Scanlon, as well as Creighton Branch, as uh, we'll be looking back on the uh, Texas loss to Kansas and what is the state of Texas football right now. We'll break that all down and more when the guys join us on the other side. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Joining us now here at the Jones Report this week, they are the two newest members of the Studio Soapbox Network, the hosts of the BFO Boys podcast, which you can download and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Joe Scanlon, also with uh, Channel 4, NBC 4, Local 4 in uh, Central Nebraska, and Creighton Branch, who is also with the ticket in a DFW. Guys, appreciate you joining us, and I'll, I'll be nice before we... <laughs> get into the business of the day. And, and, and I just want to welcome you with open arms. Thanks for uh, joining us and welcome to the network. Glad to have you guys on board. I yeah. am excited. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks Tyler for having us. It's, it's a pleasure to join your studio, uh, studio soapbox, uh, studio soapbox here. Gosh. And uh, soapbox. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I was going to predict 30 seconds before you brought up the, the elephant in the room or, I guess I should say the Jayhawk in the room, but I have a feeling you're about to uh, bring that up right now. All right. So I got a <laughs> clock running right now for folks at home. Oh, and just a minute, minute and 10 seconds. There you go. All right. Here we go. All right, boys. Mm. Welcome. That's uh, a penalty. They're penalty yes. flag, flag on the plate. You can't do the horns down. <laughs> Rock jock. Horns 15, down. 15 yards. Oh. Uh, where, yeah. where do we start with that, guys? Man, like as a – as somebody that attended the University of Kansas, beating you guys two times in the last five years now. And for me, winning this one in Austin after what Kansas has been through the last couple of years, this was better than the first time that we beat you guys in Lawrence. How did it feel from your perspective? Was this one more embarrassing than the first time? Yes. I think this one was this one was more embarrassing than the first time because we had, I mean, coming into the season, just such high hopes. Sarkeesian, you know, I I didn't think we'd win a Big Twelve. I thought we'd do better than we are right now. Um, and then we go four and one, and then everything just unravels in the Cotton Bowl. And since then, I just don't know what has happened to this team. But that's why I say this one's more embarrassing because at least. At least in 2016, Charlie Strong's team sucked. And we knew they sucked. The whole year, they sucked. So, we had a <laughs> to lose to Kansas that year. It's it's embarrassing, but it's like... That's still bad. Don't but, try to sugarcoat it. No, it's no, still no, awful. No, <laughs> don't well, don't try the, to make the thing it... Is, the thing is, I would I, if, if there was a team to lose to Kansas, it'd be that team. So, like, I wouldn't say I expected it, but it's almost... It's like... A, Oh, it happened. Well, you know what? No, okay, whatever. You know, that happened. Crap. Yeah. I mean, it made happened. it clear that Charlie Strong was getting fired because it was yes. still on the fence. And yeah. that's what's so 
I think that is why it makes it why it makes this year more embarrassing than the last time. I agree with Joe, uh, partially because you basically knew going into that year, okay, if Charlie Strong doesn't even do remotely good, uh, he's going to get fired. He'd probably have to win two. I mean, lose two games, maybe three, and he would be kept. But thing has happened, and uh, Kansas beat that Charlie Strong team, and you knew after that, okay, Charlie Strong's getting fired. We've got a new era coming in. This is the first year in the Steve Sarkeesian era. Obviously, he's not going to go anywhere unless something crazy happens. He's not going to go anywhere for another year or two. So you're starting off this year, uh, two and four in the conference, and, you know, whatever, four and six overall, losing to Kansas. It's more embarrassing because, oh, my God, like, we – like we got we and we got to stick with this for at least another year like i mean like there's no there's no coach that's going to come save us like tom herman did not that tom herman saved us yeah, but yeah, yeah, lost to kansas yeah it's yeah you're right and so and the fact that the thing was was once again texas made kansas look like a all pro team and Texas had better players this year than they did with that Charlie Strong year. You knew that Charlie Strong team just wasn't very good. This team's got potential. They just don't know how to use so it. So last week on this show, in my opening monologue, I put out a theory, and I think it's completely true. It's come to fruition. It's proven fact. I have an idea, guys, of what's wrong with Texas, the central point of why they've taken this steep decline. I think that this defense is dehydrated. They have gotten rid of the Tom Herman hydration chart. It's very clear and obvious. You look at those guys, they're real tired out there. And when you have a new coach come in, you try to change things up from the way things were done previously. That's the best logical conclusion I could come up with, with what's wrong with this Texas team, in particular their defense. The guys are just not drinking enough water right now. No, you know what it is, Tyler? They're missing their Tommy kisses. That's what they're missing. The kisses pregame. Uh, every day, every game, Tom Tom would kiss his players. And, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> sure it's did, amazing man. how much – it's amazing how much love, you know, love has a factor in college football apparently because well, – you know, I don't think – I don't think – hey, I don't think – you think Nick Saban's kissing his players – and they're winning. I, mean, I don't know. I don't think you can. I don't think like can, we don't know if he is or not. I mean, they 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 sleep in the locker room during two days, so I mean they hang out a lot more than people think they do. I mean, they might <laughs> beats me, but that is funny though. That he brought up the hydration jet thing was so that was so bad. Make sure you're hydrated. Oh God! I mean, and that's you are just, a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's the thing, and we talked about this on the podcast. We. We think an issue with Texas is the culture, and we think it's deeply rooted back to the Mac Brown days. We think that because of just the just the inherent success that the Texas Longhorns had from 2003 to 2010, they were competing every year for a national championship pretty much. I mean, yeah, it might not have been in the national championship, but they were up there. They were going to BCS and, Bowl. Yeah, they – yeah, what was it? Rose Bowl and then yeah, Rose then Fiesta, championship, Fiesta championships, uh, championship in two thousand nine. Um, all that. Yeah, so, so you get you win all those those games, and then you hit a bit of a rough patch, and now your culture of we are winners, we are the University of Texas. 
yeah, it doesn't make sense anymore because now you guys suck. Charlie Strong's your coach, and the players aren't as good. But because we keep wanting to believe we are Texas, we are good, nothing has changed. And the reason this is why I'm saying this, there's no way, there's no way in hell that Charlie Strong, Tom Herman, and Steve Sarkeesian are all bad coaches, that they're having this much trouble. There's got to be something else rooted in that Texas program that is causing these these teams to not perform to the level they, they should be. And that, and like I said, the level that they should be, we have these expectations for this team. And when they don't meet them, we get pissed. We fire the coach and move on. So. Except for the one notion is that the Charlie strong hiring was a complete botch. So that really hurt a lot of things because I think, I think honestly, if, if I think if Texas had a choice of who would they want to succeed between Charlie Tom and Steve, I think it was, I think it's always Charlie because yes. those guys, that was their dude. They wanted him. Okay. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't going to be Nick Saban, it was Charlie strong. And it just obviously did not work out. Uh, the players loved him, but he just wasn't coaching the, you know, he wasn't coaching wins basically. And so I think from there, it became this process of, okay, we've had four or three long years of Charlie. Now we need to get back to winning and Tom Herman kind of like hinted at that with the Sugar Bowl win. And we were like, oh, yeah. finally we're back. But then things went awry the next two seasons. And now Texas is like, we've got to get back. We've got to get back. We've got to get back. And we're having like all the recruiting classes to prove it and everything. But for some reason, we cannot win. And I think that has really caused frustrations with uh, donors and fans and whatever that uh, – is causing these decisions to be so hasty because if you ask me, I mean, if, if Steve does this for another year, he's probably going to be gone. But the notion of, for the defense is going back to that point. And that's, that might be the problem is because they've had to switch coordinators like five or six different times. Some of these guys are on almost their fourth coordinator. If homeboy gets fired at the end of this year. So, I mean, it's crazy. Like there's no consistency. The only consistency I think we had was Tom Herman staff right before he fired everybody at the end of the year because he was either going to lose his job or theirs. Well, I remember, you know, at the end of the Mac Brown era, the thing that, you know, chased Mac out was his lack of finding a quarterback to replace oh, yeah. Colt McCoy, that they struggled to find that next guy. Jameis Winston wanted to go to Texas and he didn't even offer him a scholarship. And, you know, I mean, so, sorry to bring up these. Johnny Mansell, you know, these tough memories. You know, Johnny had the Texas tattoo and everything, you know. And, he and then, did. yeah, he and then, did, you know, Joe. You go to Charlie Strong, he can't find a quarterback, you know. And, and then we start to see Texas is okay. David Ash isn't bad. That's an improvement. Um, and then Sam Ellinger shows up, and it's like, okay, Sam's a good quarterback, but there's literally nothing around him. No one else is yeah. developing. Right. And so it, it felt like from an outsider's perspective, guys, that for the longest time it was, okay, this team can't find a quarterback. And now, you know, heck, even, you know, the Thompson kid has had his moments. He's played <laughs> good at times this year. Yeah. This, is, this is not the quarterback issue anymore. There's, there's bigger issues at Texas than what there were 10 years ago that go beyond just the quarterback position. Yeah, Mac's number one reason for why he got fired was because he was missing out on so many. He missed out on RG3, too. He missed out on, like, four or five Heisman candidate, Heisman winning quarterbacks. And then he goes to North Carolina and finds Sam Howell. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. It's not fair, man. It's, life's not fair. And but so that's now, why – that's 
that's why they did that, thinking that they could bring in somebody. I mean, let's be honest. The, the number one get was fire Matt Brown, go get Nick Saban. It was obvious he was going to buy a house in Austin. Like it was almost there. And then at the end, it just didn't pan out the way uh, we wanted it to. Alabama kind of went deep into their pockets and did what usually nobody else can do is match our offer. And so uh, between after that, it was just a rough patch of finding guys. And I brought this up to Joe a couple weeks ago after one of the losses. It might have been the Oklahoma State loss or the one after that. Um Maybe Texas should stop looking to just recruit the best players they possibly can and recruit to their needs because that seems to be an issue. Everyone's trying to be like top 10 class, top five class. Let's get all the best players we can, the best athletes out of wherever. Yeah, yeah. If you can't develop them, what's the point? Get the guys you need. If you need offensive linemen, go get offensive linemen. Who cares if they're the rank, the first or the 30th? If they fit your system, go get them. Maybe that's what Texas needs to start doing instead of approaching it in terms of a Clemson or an Alabama way and trying to just be flashy and get the top eight receivers and be like, all right, we'll figure out what to do with them later. Yeah, no, well, and there's therein lies the issue because, I mean, look at our rece- – Xavier Worthy has been a stud for us this year, and that's great. But the issue is we don't have a reliable quarterback to throw in the ball and the glaring issue of this <laughs> offense. And we've talked about this on the pod. Too many times. I'm sick of talking about it. Actually, <laughs> is the offensive line, and I don't think that's Kyle's fault, honestly. It's not. It's not. Kyle, no, it's not Kyle's fault. It's the fault of Tom Herman not recruiting offensive yeah. linemen and not developing them. So, you know, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I'm focusing on the lines because the defensive line is just as bad. But that, no matter who you have, you could have Johnny Manziel. Well, he could probably scramble, but you could. Have, okay, I digress. <laughs> you could. RG three. Now he could scramble too. No, never he mind. could scramble too. Yeah. <laughs> if you had, if you had, I'm, I'm trying. God, who who was a good quarterback? That Sam Bradford. If you had Sam Bradford at quarterback, and you're had the Texas offensive line in front of him right now. Sam Bradford's not winning the Heisman because he's going to be on his back about eighty five percent of the time. So the issue with Texas is they need to like. Creighton said recruit for their needs, which is the offensive line, because it don't matter if you have a five-star quarterback, if he's running for his life, every play, he, there's no, he can't do anything. Yeah. And, and that's why we've seen with Bijan, how he's regressed it like over the season, because at, I, I, don't ask me how this has happened. Probably because Sarkeesian's play calling too. But when he sees if Bijan wasn't as big and strong as he is, he's not getting half the yards he's getting right now. No, he's because built, a lot of he's his yards. A lot of it, a lot of his yards are coming after contact, and the contacts usually happening at the line of scrimmage or at least like one to two yards after the line of scrimmage. There are no holes to be found, hardly ever, on that offensive line. And so, moral of the story, like Creighton said, recruit to your strengths and don't like don't get the like offensive linemen aren't the flashy. Don't get the flashy. Get the needs. Yeah, I felt like Sam Ellinger kind of hid a lot of the problems that were really going on at Texas the last several years. And that kid was a warrior. That kid was hurt probably 75 to 80% of his career there. Yeah. He just played through it. I mean, like, look at where Texas is right now. Um, you know, the comparison that I made when they hired Sark, going from Herman to Sark was like going from Applebee's to Chili's. You know, I mean, like, they're the same guy, personally. <laughs> and now I'm seeing the way things have gone. You know, it wasn't just replacing 
Herman. It was replacing, you know, Sam Ellinger and such here. How much of this season falls on Sark? Do you think this would be the same result if Tom Herman was still there? Yes. I think I think this is the same thing. I think it might be even worse. I don't think we I win think, that TCU yeah. game with Tom. No, not a chance in the world. There's no nope. uh, We don't win that TCU thing, game. The, what's so yeah. interesting about the Tom situation is like I think I talked to you we were talking I talked to you about this either with Jamal's interview or something like that. I don't remember, but on our one of our whatever podcasts, I think literally this past week, uh, we mentioned that what's going to be such a bad thing for Steve Sarkeesian is if we do get to a bowl game and yeah, he loses he yeah, he loses that bowl game because what was the one thing that was so uh that really honestly kept Tom his job for four years was because he was undefeated in the biggest games except for the LSU. He was undefeated in all bowl games, his team showed up for every big time matchup outside, even LSU, they showed up, they just made a wrong play call. Uh, but Steve's guys at the, at this moment haven't, I mean, other than the OU game, I, they've lost five in a row. So uh, for that, I mean, I think Tom would do probably worse, but St- Steve's right there, man. He's not going to do much better. But here's the thing. These aren't Steve's guys. No, this is true. Tom Herman stink still lingering over the program and that team gave up on Tom. Do you really think they're going to play for Sarkeesian if they're struggling? No. And that's well, why you've seen them give up on stuff. It's quite obvious that after Sam Ellinger, I don't think Tom had the quarterback situation figured out. Oh, no. If oh, he hell no. Because yeah. no, he was see, going between those two. See, that's why I'm curious to see how Sark does in his second year. And this is just, you know, the Longhorn fan in me. You know, there's always next year. Hooray. <laughs> but Malik Murphy is our – Stud quarterback recruit in this next class, five star right out of uh, California. Oh, Cali. And, uh, you know, can run, can throw. Did, did Sark recruit him, Creighton, or was that Tom? And now he's just sticking over. Nah, Sark had to go back and get him. Okay. Well, still, so Sark had to, you know, win him over to keep him yeah. there. But so I'm interested to see what Sark can do with a fresh quarterback coming out of high school that he can mold into the type of quarterback that fits his system rather than have to use Hudson Card and Casey Thompson, who have been in, in a, uh, Tom's system for at least two years. Hudson's been there two – this is, what, third year because he redshirted? Yeah, I guess you're right. Oh, so, God. yeah. No, I can't wait to see – I can't wait to see what Spencer Rattler does in Austin. You know what? I was telling Joe that. Hey, hey, said, hey. No, hey. Rumor is he's going to – rumor is he's coming to Nebraska, Tyler. Yeah, I've heard that. He's Ooh. coming. He's gonna he's gonna go. There's no competition there. <laughs> yeah. Ouch, Adrian Martinez. We are not gonna stand for Adrian Martinez slander because that's a really good kid. Okay. He's and, a great yeah, kid. It's not a good quarterback, but he's a good kid. Okay. <laughs> oh man, uh, I I think he's got more turnovers than uh, than what they're serving him. At McDonald's with those apple turnovers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he might be the next Texas quarterback at this point. Uh, it's good. Uh, my God. Hey, I mean, you know, if, if Rattler did – well, if, I wouldn't want Rattler just because he's a cancer. God, that kid's such a prick. Oh, my God. Like, I, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like everybody that like we've ever brought up the name that's actually interacted with them has said that. It's very like – he said, "What you see on the TV show is yeah. legit. That's him. Yeah, that's, it's he's crazy. Just, he's an asshole. But I think so. It's that's like... a, I think it's a very uh, interesting topic to you know to even uh, entertain. Texas might go to. The, I mean, would you ever go to the, the transfer portal for a quarterback? 
and do what Lincoln Riley basically does outside of this year. Because <laughs> actually, what I would look at, guys, if I'm Texas right now, um, speaking of the portal, look at what Michigan State has done with Mel Tucker rebuilding oh, yeah. that entire yeah. team through the portal in a one or two year stretch. Texas has got way more pull than Michigan State does. What about you talk about offensive line and some of yeah, these glaring absolutely. issues? Why doesn't Texas jump all over that to get some guys think, right away? I think that might be something Steve actually does. I don't know why Tom wasn't really into the transfer portal. Also, probably because it was just kind of evolving into Tom's era. But I do think that Steve uh, will look to that because even if you don't get like this, the uh, the the flashy uh, positions like wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks, the thing I was telling Joe this, it's going to be very hard for your crew three defensemen that are going to come in next year and make an incredible impact to the point where you're like, those guys are the reason this line is so good. It just doesn't happen. It takes one or it really takes two or three years. And if Texas wants the, uh, or a chance at the immediate success that they're looking for, for, and especially in the offensive line, I mean, it seems like the transfer portal is the only option go grab three or four seniors that know what they're doing because it, that, that, changes everything you can't expect 18 year old freshmen to come in and just be great off the start it does it happens once in a blue moon and so that might be somewhere texas really needs to look for if they're not trying to you know build the program in the next four years but really trying to start winning next year which is obviously what they're trying to do so yeah i agreed going yeah, into yeah oh, go ahead going into the future how much concern is there about the SEC right now? Was that Arkansas game a wake-up You know what? You know, I'll tell you what, man. It'd be just like Texas. I've said this ever since they've made the, the announcement to move. It'd be just like the Horns to go into the SEC the first year and win like 11 games. And just, that's exactly <laughs> what they would do. Because for some reason, it's just when you don't think they're going to be good, they end up finding a way. And then, and then when they're supposed to be really good, they suck. So – I wouldn't even be the least bit surprised, but I do think that I, someone brought this up the other day. It's a lot easier to lose, get, lose games when you're making 20 plus million dollars in your pocket with, uh, you know, almost every, everything that's coming around in the SEC instead of having to carry a conference in the big 12. So uh, even if they lose, obviously it's a money situation. This is why they're going. Uh, I think that that is like the, they're like keeping their eye on the prize is the, the kind of thing that they're looking for more so than wins. I do think they want to compete, but obviously the is a lot. I'm also hoping with the move to the SEC, we start picking up some of this SEC talent. Start oh, absolutely. Diving, our, diving into yeah. this recruiting trail down in the Southeast, especially for like, you know, linemen, because look at those SEC teams, man. Those linemen are big, boy. They are big when they come in at 18 and they just get bigger. And so, you know, if we can if we can kind of post some of that away from Alabama, from you know Florida, from Georgia, um, that would help us hurt them. And um, it's going to take a while. We're gonna, I mean, we're not going to do it right away. But I think I think the fact that Texas is playing in the SEC or will play in the SEC that should attract quite a few recruits, uh, in my opinion. Regardless uh, if for bad or good, it is a necessary move. Yeah, I mean, you can already see that the culture is starting to get there with. You know the chance that we're ringing out at the end of the game on Saturday night. Yeah, you guys SEC. are salty. You guys are just you, you know that was that was are, something. You know, it just means more. I mean, you can see it. Yeah, you know, have fun was, with Cincinnati and whoever else. And, <laughs> Cincinnati. Uh, 
They'll be more competitive than Texas right now. Oh, ah. That's a fair point. I got you know I walked right into that one. True. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of moving the SEC, guys, uh, I want to ask you just about you know as far as going with these rivalries. One of the things that I, I like about this for Texas and for Oklahoma compared to most of conference realignment that that I, I feel happy for these guys about is. What has frustrated me with realignment guys in the last decade is the end of so many rivalries and not caring about the history that you have with these programs. In the case of Oklahoma and Texas, and I get it, Oklahoma is not going to be playing Oklahoma State anymore, but you have Oklahoma and Texas are guaranteed to still keep on going. Texas gets to reunite with AM. Oh, yeah, we do. So, Oklahoma and Mizzou have a history that yeah, I'm not sure yeah, yeah. a lot of people outside of, you know, big eight country know and about is that's actually, a long history. That's a pretty decent rivalry. OU and Mizzou. It's a better rivalry than Mizzou and Arkansas for crying out loud. <laughs> you know I mean? Like to me, that's one thing I appreciate with this move for OU in Texas was that they are, you know, bringing some stuff back of some sorts that we haven't seen in other realignment moves. Yeah, no, it's going to be very nice to play Little Brother again, um, considering we've tried to play them the last 10 years, and every year they're like, no, nah, we don't want to do it. We don't have any room in our non-conferences. They play, you know. They've scheduled – we got to take our opportunity at any point to, to dish on uh, A&M. They've scheduled more FCS opponents in the past five years than they have FBS. How about that for Little Brother? What a Little Brother, man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I personally don't know why they wouldn't want to play it. Well, I, I know why they wouldn't want to play us, but like if I'm AM, I'd be mad yeah. that I lost the last game at the time of the rivalry on oh, yeah. my home field to a Justin Tucker field goal. No, I'd for be sure. so pissed. I would want to get back at them, but no, they don't want to play us. So now they're going to have to play us probably. And uh, oh, yeah, they will because yeah. we'll be so, smack dab in their division. And if we, if we do divisions, within the conference, then we would also be in that too. So, yeah. So it, it, uh, it, we're going to end up playing them and they, you know, even if Texas is not at their best, like they are right now, that game is going to be yeah, intense. It doesn't matter. That's, that is a historic rivalry. That might even be more historic than Texas OU. I think, and, yeah. And Definitely. it's just, it's always fun to beat on little brother. Um, I have a joke. I was going to tweet this out actually on a, they do the Aggie ring dunk. Y'all know, y'all know about the Aggie ring dunk. Oh, right? do I know about the Aggie and, ring dunk? And, and they, you know, they put it in the beer. Yeah. They, they drink the, the whole pitcher and everybody yeah. comes and enjoys. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, my, my joke, my joke is they should dunk it in Kool-Aid because they're a cult. They are. They are. It's a cult. That, that school is a cult. And I don't I'll, I'll jump them. in on making fun of A&M. That, uh, yeah. the whole, you know, kissing each other uh, and all that. I mean, like, and the male cheerleaders, that, that place is weird. Oh, yeah, I love that. One, two, three, woo, woo. like, what the hell, dude? What are you oh, doing, the whoops man? And the, yeah, you know, like, you get – Everybody has a different whoop? Yeah, because of the, <laughs> the, the class the class that you're in, you have a different whoop. It's so strange in the midnight yell, whatever. Anyways, I think Texas going to the SEC is, like – I mean, like, I think it's kind of cool that they're going to start facing those teams and Oklahoma, too. Uh, I will miss like just the big 12 entirely because there's, there's never a dull moment in the big 12. Like you saw today, you know, the Texas tech radio broadcasters got, got suspended for 
yelling at the referees on air and it's just like there's never that doesn't happen in any conference other than the big 12 i'm gonna miss those kinds of things but um it's gonna be like some of the biggest games that texas plays are sec opponents like their alabama's coming next year lsu is last year i mean those are always like the biggest turnouts and so like if you think about it you get a&m lsu alabama auburn some maybe auburn uh those kinds of teams every week. And I think that that is going to be a fun experience, whether we win or lose, but we're going to be playing the best talent in the entire country. And I'm glad that UT has made this decision because uh, I mean, they, if in a way I would say Texas belongs in that conference, just because of how much they uh, idolize football and the, the amount of talent that comes out of the state of Texas. I mean, you don't see that in any other place other than the SEC with an Alabama and Georgia and Florida and stuff like that. And uh, I, I think it'll be fun to watch these guys, you know, play these big time schools and you're just going to get a, it, the best part is you're going to get a bunch of NFL caliber talent on the field all at once. Yeah. I think Oklahoma jumps in and competes right away yeah. with Alabama and Georgia that they hold a serve um, Texas, I think it's just one right head coach away from being right there. That's all it is. Uh, and I know that we've been saying that for a decade plus, but I mean, it's still the same song next verse. Which I think is it's true conference. though. I think that's fair to say because, because by God, I mean, it's not like Texas has gone out and hired Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, and just all, and like Dabba Sweeney or something and have failed on all of them. No, they've taken no, a chance on a Louisville coach on Tom Herman from Houston and now Steve Sarkeesian, who hasn't coached in a while, you know, in terms of they head are coach, very comparable to Florida since Urban Meyer left. Yeah, exactly. I was a little say worse, but <laughs> have been missing. Just haven't yeah. found that guy. Yep. So, uh, I mean, we would say the same thing about Florida, right? They're a head coach away from right being back on top. So, yeah, yeah at, and they've shown flashes least, of it. I would say that, yeah, I would say that's exactly that in Nebraska. Least. <laughs> oh god at least hey at least our coach likes to recruit during the regular season okay yeah. oh dan mullen uh, talking to you dan mullen <laughs> you're as far as we know uh your coach isn't humping sharks either so. oh, oh yeah that's true that's true. and then don't even get me started with scott frost <laughs> so we got a couple oh, of minutes yeah. left guys uh as we're wrapping up Tell us about the show. I listened this past week. You guys did a great job. I know that it felt like you were hosting a funeral of some sorts, but it was certainly entertaining. <laughs> um, tell me about what <laughs> folks can expect from the Bevo Boys every week. So really what y'all can expect is just entertainment. It's going to be entertaining, especially I feel like, honestly, the ones where we lose get the most plays because – They have. Like, they have. <laughs> it's not a – I think they have. They, they 100% have, and that's because – it's just we we don't hold back you know we are we are longhorn fans but we are also realists and so we're not going to sugarcoat we're not going to go oh well we lost to kansas but you know this played good and this this part did good no no if you lose to kansas or you lose to you know oklahoma after being up 21 yeah no we're going to rip you to shreds and that's just we are honest we are entertaining and uh, that's and we talk all longhorn sports now that we're getting into basketball season thank god we can talk about a winning team um yeah you guys are a basketball school we are we are where are you i'm every, cool with it i don't i'm okay with it no tyler tyler let me get you let me get this straight we are in every sport but football school. we're ranked baseball's yeah. good basketball's pretty good men's swimming and diving are national champs almost every year uh, golf's good like what, we, we kill at every sport but football what makes the the podcast so much fun also is that 
me and Joe are very passionate about the Longhorns. And on the other side of that, me and Joe are really bad sore losers and sore winners. So when you mix all that together, uh, a lot of things get said and a lot of emotions get spilled out over the course of every week because, I mean, this is what we do. We eat, live, and sleep Longhorn uh, sports, really. I mean, like, that's all I all I do is, is look at recruiting classes every year and watch these players coming up. And I mean, it's my life technically. And so I think when you get somebody like me and Joe who are very passionate, but uh, hate losing uh, and also don't like the teams we're playing whatsoever, I think you get a really cool combination. And yeah, we're not afraid to, you know, like we'll, when we support somebody, we'll support them. Like Casey Thompson had a great game against Oklahoma, but he's been absolutely embarrassing, abysmal <laughs> and everything underneath the sun outside of that. I mean, I could... I could throw a football better than Casey Thompson could at this moment, and I don't play. So I it's, love that uh, he tied the passing touchdown record. I, <laughs> yeah, oh, don't get me started. We we said that on the podcast. We were talking we were like, about this, it. This man, this man sucked, but Phil had six touchdowns. Like what? That's yeah. gonna be in the record book for a while. Yeah, yeah great. we're definitely. Uh, he, we have to mention his name in the same breath as Colt McCoy, as Colt and McCoy. it makes me sick. I, yeah, we are. We're 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 very. Uh, I would say we're formal, but informal at the same time, which makes us so much fun. And plus, I mean, our Twitter account is top notch. So we're getting not, some not, beef. It's great. <laughs> yeah, we did. We got somebody upset. Uh, I do want to say that uh, since you are a Kansas fan, actually more than just that, a Kansas alumni, I've been saying this thing for golly, I think two years now. I, I, I always, every, every time somebody talks about the Kansas football program, I say, those guys pay a lot of money to lose games. And I can no longer say that because the UT system is doing the same thing. Now we pay even more money to lose games and I feel so bad, but yeah, no, it's a fun podcast. And uh, especially when Joe is raging about yeah. everything that's awful about this, you know, yeah. our program. So, oh yeah. Well, guys, welcome to the network. Uh, certainly check out the show, The Bevo Boys, available on Mondays. And a great way to uh, kick off your week. You don't even have to be a Texas fan to enjoy the show. Check it out. Part of the Studio Soapbox Network, available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Download and subscribe today. Guys, thanks for joining us. And I'm sure we'll be talking again down the line. Yes, oh, sir. Yeah. Thanks, Tyler. Absol- absolutely. If you've... Uh... If you don't get any enjoyment out of the podcast in terms of because you're a Texas fan, you can certainly get enjoyment out of us being sad every single week. <laughs> Hook them. Horns down. Oh. oh. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone. At 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian.oconnor at lpl.com. Brian with a Y. And O'Connor Advisory Group also on Facebook as Bo joins us right now. He is also the host of the Coach Bo Knows podcast, which is out each and every Monday and Friday, available on the Studio Soapbox Network. Bo, how are we doing? Doing pretty good. How are you doing, Tyler? Very well, very well. What's going on in your world? Man, trying to stay busy. We uh, It's been a busy week. We're trying to get away. I'm trying to get out of here before uh, I'm taking the next day, taking a long weekend, going to Chicago for a weekend. No uh, no hard partying this time. I'm taking the kiddo with me. So. Who said you can't party with the kiddo? 
Oh, I, you know, I, I can't let him see that side of me. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> soon, soon enough. Soon enough. He knows dad. He knows dad can go, but he doesn't know dad can go. <laughs> Keep that a mystery. For now. For now. Well, we uh, have our pigskin pick them this week, and to give a little update on the standings, I had the we- I had the lead last week. You have passed me up uh, after a nice week last week uh, on your part. Uh, you went six and four. I went four and six. So you are now one game up at uh, 59, 50 and one. I am at 58, 51 and one. Thomas is at 54, 55 and one. TJ's back at 49, 60 and one. So it feels like that was going to happen. Yeah. feels like it's just down to me and you at this point. Yeah. It's two man race. Yeah. Sorry, Tom. Thomas, you're done. Thomas needs to come back though. Thomas can, he can do pull something off here at the end. If he just gets crazy, he'll do that in the last couple of weeks too. You know that. No, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Right, no, you know. no. He's he's going to go for a bunch of crazy upsets and it's going to backfire. And he's well, he doesn't have our picks in front of him to go against. Right. Sometimes. Exactly. And TJ just doesn't have a clue. So I mean, it's yeah. What else is know. new? <laughs> <laughs> and I like TJ too. <laughs> but yeah, he he has not been good in the pick. You know, all uh, let me read this text actually from TJ okay. today on the picks. He says, um, it again reinforces with 60 seconds of looking at your text and making picks on 10 games against the spread. We'll get you. <laughs> yeah, I've done that, too. I've had weeks where I've done that. The funny thing is I've had weeks where I've done that and done really well. Yeah. I think my eight and two week earlier in the year was one of those, oh, let us go. And, right. So, but even, a, even a, you know, even a broken clock is wrong twice a day. It's true. And TJ's well below 500. We, got, we only got to choose one or the other. Right. You should at least be sniffing 500. Right. So just fade yeah. TJ's picks. And Absolutely. You're going to be in great shape. If you shape. faded TJ's picks in the last, he came out strong. Right. Those first like three weeks, he was strong. But if, so if you were fading his picks the last seven or eight, and you're really in the money. What they ought to do is post them. And any time that he disagrees with me, there you go. Perfect. Here is the week 12 slate of games. Michigan State and Ohio State. Ohio State favored by 19. Arkansas and Alabama. Bama favored by 20. Oregon and Utah. Utah, three-point favorite. Baylor taking on K-State. Baylor favored by one. Wake Forest against Clemson. Clemson favored by four. In the NFL side, the Cowboys hit the Chiefs. Chiefs favored at home by two and a half. Steelers take on the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. The Chargers favored by six. The Bengals face the Raiders. The Bengals are a one-point favorite on the road. The Colts and Bills, the Bills favored by seven on the uh, at home. And then the Saints and the Eagles, the Eagles are a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home. So, Bo, let's go ahead and get started with the college slate. Michigan State and Ohio State. Ohio State favored by 19. Bo, that's a lot of points for teams that are in the rankings, only about four spots apart. Yeah, these teams are close in rankings. They're not close in talent. Uh, Ohio State is a much better team than Michigan State. I think Michigan State and Michigan are both wildly overrated. Um, Neither team really have a good win. Uh, You can argue Michigan State's win over Michigan is their best win. And I don't think either team's very good. So I like Ohio State. I also think, frankly, that no one's playing better than Ohio State right now. 
Um, maybe Georgia is, but that's about it. Ohio State's a team to be reckoned with, and I think they're going to put a reckoning on Michigan State here. And uh, there was a big line last week for Ohio State's game against Purdue. They covered that, a 20-point yep. margin this week at 19. Bo, I'm going to ride with Michigan State to cover. I like Ohio State to win the game, but 19 is just too many points for me. I think Ohio State can win by 10, but 19, I, I can't go that far. So I'll go with uh, Michigan State to cover. Arkansas and Alabama. Alabama favored uh, by about 20 points here. Bo, that one I will take. Um, Arkansas, I think the blueprint's out there. You go back to that Georgia game where they just got slapped around. I think Alabama is going to be similar. It's going to be a similar performance what what uh, Alabama does to Arkansas compared to what Georgia did to them uh, several weeks back. Yeah, I like Alabama here too. I think Alabama's playing great. Arkansas, I watched the Arkansas LSU game last week, last week obviously. Um, I really like their coach. Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman. I like him a lot. And I I think they're going places. I like him. He's he's kind of what LSU had with Ed Orgeron in the beginning. Guy that wants to be there, wants to be their coach, wants to that buy-in locally. So I'm rooting for Arkansas here. But, man, Bama's just a whole different animal of good compared to Arkansas. And Bama's playing their best football. So I'm going I'm to take Bama. Oregon taking on Utah. Oregon, despite having the number three ranking in the college football playoff, finds themselves as an underdog on the road with Utah favored by three. Utah, if uh, you recall a couple of years ago, it was Utah that spoiled uh, Oregon's hopes of making the college football playoff, winning the uh, Pac-12 title game. And uh, Utah here trying to look to play spoiler again. They play very well at home. Utah favored by three. What do you think here, Bo? Is uh, are the Ducks on upset alert? So I looked at the when I saw the spread and you sent me that, and I was like, really? Utah is a favorite? Um, but I went and looked. It's all about where they're how they've played the last couple of weeks. Oregon hasn't been blowing teams out. Utah has played exceedingly well at home this season. Uh, right now, Utah the last three or four games has played fantastic. They're just looking at the score and judging what I've seen there. I think Oregon's better. It's hard for me to not take Oregon plus three, even though it's on the road. They've got a lot to play for. I don't think they look past Utah in this game. So I'll, I'll take Oregon. But I, I see where the where the spread is that way. I Usually I'd be, you know, hey, wrong team favorite. But I kind of see what they're going for here with Utah and the way they've played the last few weeks. Uh, but I'll take Oregon. Plus the three, I don't think it's a game that the Ducks are going to look past. Kyle Whittingham, I think, is a very good coach, and he's done a good job at Utah. But um, I think the safe bet here is Oregon. And Vegas hasn't been kind to Oregon this year. Remember, they were an underdog at UCLA mm-hmm. and won that game outright uh, You know, several weeks back. So I'm going to go against the grain from Vegas, and I'll go ahead and go with Oregon to take care of business, uh, although it wouldn't shock me at all if Utah ends up winning this game. Baylor taking on K-State. Baylor favored by one. Bo, K-State, they have played a lot better football lately with uh, Skylar Thompson coming back, the way that he's performed, and uh, this Baylor team coming off a big win against Oklahoma last week. Do you think the Bears potentially let down here, or do they take care of business against the Cats? Um, I think that Baylor's going to take, take care of business here. Um, I think that K-State is playing a lot better. 
Um, did you see the? I was like, I saw on TikTok the video from the touchdown. It showed uh, here local boy Jack Stanine from here at Free State High School with a big block from the fullback on the touchdown. Did you see that yet? I did not. No. Oh my God! He, if you get a chance, look it up. He just murders the defender. It's it's awesome. So shout out to Jax. Um, I like Jax Stanine a lot. Um, and I've, I've known him for a few years now, and I like him. I like what they're doing. I like what K-State's doing. I just don't see a Dave Aranda team being let down. That guy's a good coach. And I think Baylor wins the game. One is basically a tie if they win by one. So I'll uh, I'll take Baylor here. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a letdown. No, no, no. I think Baylor's a better team. Um, I better you. team. Uh, I think that they're better coached. Uh, I'd like Baylor to uh, win this game on the road and ride that momentum from last week. Yeah. Um, the, the way that you beat Baylor, you have to have a big day offensively like TCU did uh, a few weeks back. I don't think K-State can put together the type of performance like TCU did. So I'll go with That's Baylor. That's pretty well put. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with you on that 100%. Wake Forest taking on Clemson. Wake Forest, we mentioned it, Bo, a few weeks back. It has been an historic season for Wake Forest. They have nothing to be disappointed about, about that loss they suffered a couple weeks ago. Last week, they get their first top 25 win of the year, defeating a, a decent NC State team. Now they travel to Death Valley to take on Clemson. Clemson favored by four. Bo, Clemson has played some better football as of late. They have. They. I was just looking at that. You know, since losing the pit uh, a month ago, uh, Clemson's put up 30 on Florida State, 30 on Louisville, 44 on UConn last week. But I I like Wake here. I think that's a lot of – I think four points – I. This isn't Clemson from the last few years. And Wake can put up points. I think that's just frankly what it is. I think Wake's going to outscore. I think Wake's going to win the game. And I think they're going to win the game. I think they're just going to outscore Clemson. Clemson's not, it doesn't have the availability. They don't have the ability to score 35 plus points against a good team. And Wake Forest is a pretty good team. They're not great, they're a pretty good team. So I think this is a game where you're looking at a 38 30 kind of game. Give me Wake. When I look at Clemson, Bo, this is a team that offense has been obviously the glaring issue. It's not the defense. Remember, number one Georgia, week one, they held the 10 points. Um, I think that offense has gotten significantly better as of late. The defense is still really good. I'll go with Clemson to uh, pull this one off at home and cover that four-point margin. I think everybody looks good when they play. you play UConn. So, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Texas maybe not because Texas can't win games. Yeah, Texas might uh, might lose to UConn. You know, yeah. let's move on to the NFL. Cowboys and Chiefs. Chiefs favored by two and a half here. Bo Dak versus Mahomes. This might be the game of the year in the NFL. So this is the hardest game for me to pick. So my brain tells me pick Dallas, pick Dallas, pick Dallas. I looked at something. There's a system that says um, when a team covers, when the, the favorite covers the previous week and the underdog didn't take the underdog because it's supposed to be a value pick, but it's only two and a half points. Uh, so what I did is I kind of looked at something. I looked at this, and here's where I'm going with this. I am taking Dallas. I am not 100% confident in this pick. I'm picking Dallas if they do something. Not for the picks, I got to pick Dallas. I think Dallas wins this game. They can do one thing and one thing only. If they run the football more times than they pass the football. 
And against that Chiefs defense, they should run the football. Well, here's what I looked up. I pulled the Cowboys' schedule for this year in every game. Uh, the two games where they had the biggest disparity of, of rushing versus passing, where they passed the ball more, the loss against Denver, loss against Tampa. That's it. The Cowboys, um, in their games where they run the ball more than they throw the ball, have won every game. They've won every game by more than six points if they've run the ball more than they've passed. They've had one more game where they did throw the ball more times uh, and they did win that game. They did, they did win that game. That was against Minnesota uh, three weeks ago. But I looked at the Chiefs. The Chiefs, all their losses, their four losses, the average number of carries for the offense is 31. 31 carry, 31 rushing attempts against the Chiefs' defense or more. The Chiefs have lost all four of those games. The Cowboys have rushed the ball more than 31 times, seven times. They've won six out of seven. The only one they didn't win was the loss against Tampa, the overtime loss. They ran 100 plays in that game. Um, those numbers, because I think that's important. It's important to understand that Dallas has to stay balanced. They cannot get in a shootout. They get in a shootout, they lose. They lose badly. If they get in a shootout, if it's Dak versus Mahomes, they lose the game, they'll probably lose it badly. But if it's control the ball, run the football, make a big play when you need to, they can win the game. And they're likely to win the game. I'm taking Dallas. Now, I have no confidence that Mike McCarthy actually sees this and goes, hey, guys, let's run the football. But if they do it, they're going to win. And that was Next Gen Stats presented by Amazon Web Services. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very nice. I love the research there, Bo. Nicely done. Uh, I needed, needed something there. I needed something to hold on to to make sure I was right. And that made me feel like I was right. Yeah. I, I'm. Both these teams are coming in playing good. Dominating wins for both teams last week. Yes. Um, to me, I'm, with, with that being said, I like where the Chiefs are at. I think that they have turned a corner. They are at home. Patrick Mahomes got out of his funk last week. I'll take the home team. Give me the Chiefs to win and cover. What I would ask real quick before we move on, Bo, um, we know, we, we've been disappointed by the Cowboys many, many times before. Um, we know their history. We know the Chiefs' recent history, although they haven't played great this year. Who's more likely to make it to the Super Bowl right now, you think? Dallas or Kansas City? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm I'm not sold on the Chiefs right now. I think they played really well Monday night. Are you sold on Dallas? If they run the ball more, yes. That's my whole thing. If Dallas runs the football, they'll beat every team in the league. I'm, I'm serious. If they run the football, there's not a team in the league that'll beat them. But if they don't run the football, you force them, you load the box and force them to throw the football, he can't win a shootout. He being Dak. It, and it's not a right way to put it in that it's Dak's, not Dak's fault. That's just not who they are. And I just, if I had to choose one right now, I would still probably choose the Chiefs. Because I think that's also harder for Dallas to try to go through both Green Bay 
uh, Tampa and whoever comes out of the West, I mean, the Rams or the Cardinals, those are all four better teams than any four teams in the AFC. Um, but I, it, I'll be, I'll have a better feel for that answer next week. This time. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we would see I mean, who won between it's the a two. Shitty, it's a shitty way of answering your question, but yeah, I, <laughs> if I had to pick one right now, I would say the Chiefs. But man, if Dallas runs the football, I'm convinced they're really good when they run the football. The Chiefs, I'm convinced, are good because they have Patrick Mahomes. Right. And I'm not sure that they're, that they're that good because we saw them play a game this past Monday night against a Raider team that clearly took a step back. Right. So I, I it's hard I told for me you to that was going to happen. You know, and then the, the Cowboys came off of playing the Falcons, who did everything they possibly could to win the week before mm-hmm. and left nothing available for them to try to win. Right. After giving everything they could to beat the Saints. So I just, Dallas, like last week when we talked about our picks, I was all over Dallas minus nine. So that was, I bet my mortgage on that one. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't and feel that strongly on this. Now. Yeah, my, my mortgage to be paid right now. But I will say that I, it's a great question. I don't know which one I feel better about. If I had to pick one right now, I would pick the Chiefs because Mahomes can get you through um, a a better, a better, a, a, a thinner minefield than Mike McCarthy can the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy's going to screw it up for them at some point. He's going to try to have Dak go back there and throw 48 or 50 times in the game, and that's what's going to screw him. He thinks he's going to get a shootout with Tampa. He's going to get a shootout with Green Bay. Think the direct opposite is what they have to do in all those games. Steelers do taking it, though, on. Win. Let's go. Let's go to the next game. Steelers and yeah. Chargers. Chargers favored by six. The Steelers are preparing for Mason Rudolph to start. They're coming off that tie against Detroit last week. Chargers at, at six. Bo, I feel like the Chargers are the better team. And, you know, with the quarterback situation in, in Pittsburgh and such, it seems like the obvious pick here is the Chargers. But then on the flip side, the Chargers aren't playing so well themselves right now. No, the Chargers are not as hot as they were early. Um, but I... I you know, we're in the dog days of the season right now, too. And you're gonna you're gonna drop a game you shouldn't, and you're gonna win a game you shouldn't. Um, I like the Chargers here. A, a lot of that has to do mainly because I just think the Steelers are bad. I don't think they're a very good team. I mean, I the Steelers uh, I don't know, I just don't like the Steelers at all. And I don't and I like the Chargers a little bit. So I'm taking the Chargers. They're gonna score some points. They're at home. I, I, I like them here. I think this plays out similar to the Chargers Raiders Monday night game a couple months ago that I was at where the Raiders, you know, their explosive offense at the time really got slowed down and they couldn't keep up with the Chargers. The Chargers ended up winning by two scores. I think we see a similar game here. I think the Chargers win this one by probably 10, uh, maybe 13. I'll go with the Chargers to cover that six point mark. This is going to be much of a game. Bengals taking on the Raiders. This game in Las Vegas. Bengals favored by one. Bo, uh, the Bengals, this is easy money, right? This is easy money. This is Joe Burrow is going to have a humongous game. Play him. If you got him in your fantasy league, play him. Joe you hear what they're calling game. him now? Uh, Joe Franchise. Or Joey something Franchise. Like I like Joey it. Franchise. That's my dude. That's my dude. The only thing missing in our house is a, 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 some kind of a temple to pray to. 
Uh, that's my dude, Joe Burrow, MVP, future MVP. I mean, you love him more uh, than your own son. I right now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> and some days of the week, your wife. Yeah, you know, if you tell Jen that, Jen's gonna get upset. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, I think right now she probably understand. Um, no, I this is easy money. This is this is the easy money pick of the week. Take the Bengals, lay the one. They're going to put a drum in on the Raiders. The Raiders obviously took a step back last week. And they don't have someone to steer the ship right now. And you really think that Derek Carr is going to save that team? No. Wrong. Yeah. I mean, he, he ain't saving that team. Give me the Bengals. You know the Bengals are one of only four teams in the NFL right now whose offense and defense is ranked in the top ten? Wow. They deserve Joe Burrow then, yeah. That, in that case, they do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, the Bengals, this is my pick of the week right here. The Bengals, this is easy money. All right. The Colts taking on the Bills. Bills favored by seven. Bo, the uh, Colts playing a little better lately. Yeah, they are playing a little better. This is going to surprise you what I'm taking here. You're I'm not doing this. Colts. No, you're not. I'm taking the Colts in the seven. No, you're I'm not. The Colts in the seven. This is gonna be a close game. I'm not allowing this. I, I I think that I might have to. This like is a close. This this is gonna be a close game. This is one of those one team blew out someone last week. The other team didn't cover. Yeah, uh, give me the Colts. Uh, I, I, the, but the, the Bills are gonna win the game. I think you. But secret- it's a four or five point. I think you secretly love Carson Wentz now. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Just picked him. No, I, I, I did not. I picked the Colts. To stay within seven, because because you're a believer in Carson Wentz. That's what it sounded like. No, I believe in that team. If they had any other quarterback in the league, than Carson Wentz, I would take Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I was laughing at the broadcast uh, the other night when they were uh, they were comparing him to Andrew Luck. I'm like, get get all the way out of here. I know that you and I have talked about this off the air. How good would the Colts be? These last couple seasons, based on Andrew Luck, with the offensive line that he never got oh to have. God. I mean, this this is a team that for the last two coming into this season, last 2020, 2019, that franchise was set. That team was set. If they had Andrew Luck, they're a perennial Super Bowl contender. And it's the damn shame that the injuries are caught up to him, and and his heart wasn't in it, you know, to try to fight back from the injury after injury after injury. And, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in Andrew Luck. And, yeah, I, oof, it's a whole other place we could go. That'd be a great book one day. What could have been? Yeah. Um, last one. Saints and Eagles. Eagles favored by one and a half. Bo, I know who you're taking. You're taking the Saints, obviously. Do you want me to say it? Um, tell me, though, the Eagles – Playing better football as of late. Are. How are they? What what happened here? I know Jalen Hurts is playing well. I thought this team was tanking. Um, well, they, you know, the problem. So they've won two of the last three, but those two wins are against the Broncos right after the Von Miller trade and the Lions. <laughs> so <laughs> let's not get it twisted. They did beat the Panthers three weeks before that. The Panthers without Christian McCaffrey. And they won week one against the Falcons. We know how bad the Falcons are. Okay? 
So Do you know what quarterback in the NFL right now, the last four weeks, has the highest quarterback rating? Who? Jalen Hurts. I wouldn't surprise. I, I like Jalen Hurts. But you know what? They're not going to play with the Saints. This is the wrong team favorite. The Saints are going to go into it, going into Philly, and they're going to beat the hell out of them. With, this is uh, going to be a 7-10 to 10 point game. With Trevor even, with Trevor, even with Trevor Simeon at quarterback, Alvin Kamara's back. They'll be fine. They're going to run the football a bunch. They'll throw some screen passes to him so that Simeon can't make a bunch of mistakes. And that, that Saints defense is, for, is, is good. So I made all those yeah, points like, about the Eagles. I'm actually taking the Saints here, too. Simeon's yeah, played this, fine. I mean, he has. He has not played bad at all. Trevor Simeon only – Let's hold the phone. He's not the fourth Manning brother. No. No, he's not. No. He's not even Arch Manning at this point. Um, but Trevor Simeon's played fine. They're going to run the football. They're going to throw screen passes. They're going to get guys open with gimmicks. And that's they're going to do to score 24 points in that game. And the Eagles won't be able to score more than 17 against the Saints. Defense. I mean, here's a take for you, Bo. When Taysom Hill comes back from his concussion, um, I would keep – or, or he was back last week. Yeah, I mean, keep him at tight end. Keep uh, Simeon out there. Yeah, they had a couple of packages where they brought uh, Taysom Hill in at run a quarterback, but it's only to run read option. They're not trying to gimmick up a lot of stuff. It's third and one. We got to convert. You know, the goal line, that kind of stuff. Um, they're not going to let him make a mistake because he's more apt to make a mistake with the football than Trevor Simeon is. Yeah. Trevor Simmons is not a guy who can go win a game. Right. So I'm saying with Trevor Simeon, um, but yeah, they're not, they're not going to be a, a great, they're not going to get deep in the playoffs. Let's uh, let's talk some uh, topics now here. Uh, Cam Newton last week, uh, you know, he, he played a wildcat quarterback role, played pretty well, expected to start this Sunday. We know Sam Donald's going to be out for a bit. Card the uh, the Panthers at five and five. Interesting timing for uh, Cam here. He could potentially take this Cardinals t- this uh, Panthers team to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean the the playoff positioning outside of those top four teams are there's some teams they can get in here, and the Panthers are one of them. You know, I think it's a great story first off for the Panthers franchise. Their their best player in franchise history, the quarterback, the franchise gets to come back. He had a they only played a couple plays, you know. They asked Cam Newton, how much of the playbook do you know? He said enough to score two touchdowns. That's a great <laughs> line. Oh, that was an incredible line. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm happy for Cam Newton. I'm a Cam Newton guy. I Me like too. Cam Newton. And I, I really wish it would have worked for him in, in New England. Hell, I wanted the Saints time. to pick him up. I wanted the Saints to pick him up when Damian Winston got there. So, but, uh, you know, he's, you, he's are, there. Are you just but, ignoring what I said? But I didn't hear you. I said he gave us our laptops. Yeah. I don't think he – that would have been an old-ass laptop now. <laughs> I mean, if you're using that laptop, no wonder your, your Zoom froze up earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've always liked Cam Newton. And I, I liked him at Auburn. I liked him in the NFL. I thought he's had a great career. He's a borderline Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Probably not at this point. But, man, what if he goes in and has a great season the rest of the way here? Gets another shot. I think it'd be great. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. so I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for them. Not the, against uh, the Saints, but I'm rooting for him. The MVP race 
pretty wide open, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, we're halfway through the season. And it's going to be strange because now we go from 16 to 17 games, and that doesn't seem like a lot, but the way the season goes is up and downs. And there's more of that roller coaster. It's going to take more wins to get in the playoffs than it ever has. And there's so much parity in the league. I mean, it's ridiculous how much parity there is. Um, you know, people were talking, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was Lamar Jackson was the MVP and Derrick Henry. And we've heard all sorts of names through the season. Tom and Brady Dak even. And then last Tom week, Tom Brady and Dak Prescott came out the first three weeks. It was like, wow, they're both great. Um, I, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to say, here's who I think is going to win it. Uh, I think the biggest problem is that you're going to see more injuries. You know, but that extra game, just when you figure in the mathematics part of it, it's going to be another injury. Some other starting quarterback is going to get hurt. You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers is having a great season, you know, and then he has to lose the game because of COVID. You know, I, there's a lot of different ways to go. Um Right now, I don't have someone that I would say is the clubhouse favorite. I, I maybe you've got someone in mind. I mean, I, I'm a couple of guys off the top. Like Josh Allen was someone that I thought maybe had a chance. So he threw a dud out there two weeks ago, but everyone's had a dud. Everyone's had a bad game, and everyone's had a game that they lost. They shouldn't have lost. Um, I, I don't know who's playing better than anybody. Yeah, we'll make it where you go. Here's the MVP. Um, here's your odds right now. Okay, Josh okay. Allen at plus uh, two ten is your favorite. Okay. Tom Brady second at plus three seventy five. Okay. Dak third at plus seven fifty. Matthew Stafford fourth at plus eight hundred, and then uh, plus a thousand. Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray at plus eleven hundred, and then Patrick okay. Mahomes at plus sixteen hundred. Is Joe Burrow on there? Uh, Joe Burrow is a ways back. He's at plus 6,000. Oh, give, give, me, give me 100 bucks for Joe Burrow. That'd be a nice uh, payout. If, if the Bengals make the playoffs and go deep, he should, he, he should have a shot at it. Um, hey, you know who I'd bet money on right now if I had out of what you've told me there? Dak. Yeah. I, I think that if they run the – again, I, I know I've said I beat it up to the point, but, man, it – they keep winning because they're running the ball. He's going to keep looking good because he's not throwing interceptions and he's not throwing the ball 50 times. You know, and part of that's because of how he runs that offense. I, I think that's a good choice. I don't think that any of those top few guys outside of Stafford is a bad choice. I think Stafford's one out is the outlier there to me. I don't think he's played particularly well. I think Brady is a good choice because he's not going to have a two-interception game again. Well, in theory, but you just again, you, you go to exponentially. I put one more game out there. There's a chance. I think the other thing about Brady was going to hurt him as he's playing with a freaking all star team. I don't think that's a problem, personally. I think that only I, elevates his stats. I mean, he's coming off a 40 yeah. touchdown year. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think these next few weeks we'll know a little more. I mean, what happens if the Chiefs rip off six in a row and Mahomes was like he did on Monday night? Right. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's likely, but it can happen. You mentioned Stafford. Speaking of the Rams, uh, Odell made his debut on Monday night. Rams played terrible. 
it was clear that they were missing Robert Woods. Um, you know, that that team was not the same without Robert Woods. Do you think Odell can essentially replace Robert Woods? Can he fill that void? Um, yes and no. Um, it's hard to get timing with a quarterback that quickly. Um, you know, we talked about last week about what do you think Odell Beckham's going to be, and I think Odell Beckham's that guy and it gets you a couple of big plays here and there the last half of the season. I don't think his job should be to replace Robert Woods. I think his job should be to be Odell Beckham. Um, I think the Rams have got some growing pains on offense. I, I think that Matt Stafford has not been as advertised. Um, I heard a great story. Has any number one overall pick as a quarterback been as little scrutinized as Matt Stafford has in his career? Um, no. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. He's, I think he's a really good quarterback. He has not played as well as he should have played so far. Now, that could easily turn around. I mean, last year this time, we weren't talking about Tom Brady and the Bucs winning the, winning the Super Bowl. No, we, we were, were talking about Brady struggling, actually. We, we were. We were. And I think more time will help. Um, I just – I don't think it's – I think it's too much to ask Odell Beckham to replace Robert Woods. They need him to go be Odell Beckham and, and get him the ball in, in certain routes, go routes, let him get open, you know, do some matchup stuff, move him around the field. But he's not going to have the volume of receptions – that Woods has and probably shouldn't at this point. That would be something that you could have. You had him in the off season. You had him in training camp. You could ask him to do that. Can't now. What about that defense? They've given up a lot of points the last two weeks. I thought on paper, that was the best defense in the league. I still think they are the best defense, but what's happened the last two games when they've given up big numbers, teams have come out and attacked the Rams. What teams have figured out to beat the Rams is to get them get get ahead. They're not a come from behind team. You have to get the ball first, score, get a big play. I, I don't have it in front of me, but Fort Harris had the big turnover early. They got a defensive touchdown in that game. You know, those kind of breaks will help you. And I tell you one thing I did, and the football geek in me noticed about the Rams defense past week. They're doing a little too much of the stunting with Aaron Donald. They use Donald. They put him, they call it a three technique. He gets in the gap, and then he's taking two guys. But as soon as he makes contact, he's backing off and coming around where the other side, the five techniques, come straight in, trying to open up a gap. But quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball fast because they have to against Donald anyway. So I think what the Rams should do is play a little more straight up a little more four-man front and just, you know, go do your gaps, especially when Von Miller's going to get routed into this team and get some more downs. Because it's going to be hard to block Miller and Donald on the same side. Last thing on the NFL. They're, they're getting a little cute. They're getting a little bit cute. Front. Last thing on the NFL before we get to the college football playoff here. Yeah. Um, the We mentioned that Lions-Steelers game last week ended in a tie. And – yeah. You know, it's supposed to be free football, and that was like one of the worst overtime periods I've ever seen. That was just yeah. awful football. Um, but it got me thinking, and I felt like we have this discussion almost every time we have a tie. 
why the hell are we still playing t- having ties in this league? Like, how are we not at the very least going to two point conversions at the end of the game or something like that? I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah, I don't like the way they play a full court. I don't. They don't even really play a quarter. They play the ten way minutes. The rules work. Yeah, they play ten minutes, and then the way the rules work, it's you're moving, kind of moving the goalpost and what you got to do in the in, in the in the um, in the uh, overtime anyway. You know, with the the team that kicks off and loses the point toss does not lose unless the team comes out and scores a touchdown. I, I think the college football rule is the way to go. The older ones, but before yes. they did it now, 25 yard line, play them in, you know, go till you can make it, make it, make it be a two point conversion every time. I do understand why they don't do a double overtime because you don't want to get players hurt, but I think the college rule works. I think the college rule gives you, a way of getting out of that. I think if you make them always go for two in the, in an overtime and put it at 25, we'll see what happens. Worked out well for Kansas. All you got to do is, yeah, it did work for Kansas. All you got to <laughs> do is hold them to hold them to a field goal and score. So, I mean, that's, you know, or the other way around. So, yeah, I think that these ties, I mean, the Lions aren't hurting about it. But, you know, ties can end up costing the team a, a chance in the playoffs. Get in the playoffs. Yeah. And the Steelers, like, you deserve to get a loss for tying the winless lines. Yes. It, the Steelers should, should just get an L for that game. Plain <laughs> and simple. I mean, you lost to that team. Uh, the, I tell you, when I watch the Lions, I'm rooting for their coach. I'm rooting for them because I see what he's trying to do. Yeah. And I see some players, but they're just not – yeah, they're not there. College football playoff, the uh, top seven remain unchanged. Cincinnati got some big help with uh, Oklahoma losing. In uh, Cincinnati's case here, Bo, now that you've got Oklahoma out of the way, they really just need what? One more domino to fall, whether that's Oregon, Ohio State, or Alabama at this point? Yeah. Yeah, the one we were worried about, we are saying this is I'm rooting for Cincinnati in this. The one worry was Oklahoma would run the table and they would jump. That's not a worry anymore. I mean, Oklahoma lost in that game against Baylor. That's just too much. That's They didn't play well. They didn't look good. They haven't looked good in a couple of games this year. We talked a lot about that. You know how I feel about them. Um, yeah, they just need one more domino to fall. Um, I think it's going to be Georgia beating Bama. But if not, which one is it? You know, Could be Oregon this week. It could be Oregon this week. That's right. It could be Oregon. Oregon can't have a second loss. Uh, no one can have a second loss. And they're going to jump ahead. Um, you know, I know Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame are all sitting behind there thinking maybe they can jump over. But I don't see any of them jumping over because I think they're all going to – I think Michigan, Michigan State will catch L's. Um, Notre Dame just – does that he beat Notre Dame? Beat them handily. So that's not going to help them. So I, I like – I like today's chances now. I still think they should be in the top four. I think they should be in the top four right now. I mean, they're in I've our top four. Of the, uh, they're in our top four. I voted for, I've been voting for them at two every week. I vote for them at two as well. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I think they're almost there. With the, the complaint that I made week one of the gospel, I said, hey, five things that got to happen for them to get in. Well, a couple of them happened already. So, they got, they've gotten some luck in their, in their, in their way so far. Bo, I like our poll so much better. They need to hire us. They absolutely they can save a lot of money too. 
It's, you don't have to. You don't have to have a fancy conference room. We just put a few of us on a on a Zoom call. They could they could send some food, send some DoorDash to all of us. It'd be all right. And we can take care of them. We can take care of business here. We got this. Just give us some Popeyes. I'm all right with that. There's lots of things you can send me. I, I I'll eat about anything you put in front of me. I'm a fat guy. I like food. I mean, you know. Oh man. Uh, and, and the Popeyes, we, we might find a way if they get Popeyes, we might put LSU at 25 just to for good measure. You know, just to send to send Coach O out with something. We might put him up there and you know, spot 25 sponsored by the Popeye fried chicken sandwich. Kansas number, Kansas number one in our hearts. And you know what? I I, I almost put Kansas at 25 just because <laughs> I love that they beat Texas. Nothing is – there is no team, not even Notre Dame, there's no team I like seeing lose more than Texas. Oh, yeah. Even K-State I mean, fans were cheering for KU. Yes, yes. I mean, everyone was cheering for KU. There was nobody upset about this. I mean, even Texas fans don't root for Texas. <laughs> you got a whole podcast about it now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just even they know, even Texas fans know deep down that Texas is full of. Shit. Oh, Bo, uh, I think the fitting way to end this conversation horns down. Horns down. <laughs> there we go. He's Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Check him out, the Coach Bo Does podcast, out each and every Monday and Friday. Available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Check out O'Connor Advisor Group as well. Bo, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, thank you, Tyler. Have a great week. Horns down. A couple more things before we get out of here today. Let's uh, get to our Big 12 breakdown this week. And we were talking just a moment ago with Bo about the college football playoff picture. Here's how things stack up for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State now. After Oklahoma lost to Baylor, they're not completely out of it yet even with the number 13 ranking. Oklahoma State at nine still could make the playoff, and they would probably need some help. Both teams would need some help in order to make the playoff at this point, but the door is not completely shut, per se. In Oklahoma State's case, you take on Texas Tech this week, then you take on Oklahoma next week, and then a Big 12 title game. You win out, and then you hope – that Oregon loses and that Alabama loses and maybe Cincinnati. And you do, if all those things line up, then I think Oklahoma state is in really good shape. Oklahoma, you need to win out. You need all those things to happen. And then you have to hope probably that Notre Dame doesn't uh, end up, uh, you know, with a, with a win, with winning out essentially at this point, I think Oklahoma State is in good shape to leapfrog Notre Dame and make their way up there if they went out. Oklahoma all the way back at thirteen. I don't know if they would leapfrog a Notre Dame team, but that's kind of the scenario, Tom. The, the playoff picture for both Oklahoma State and Oklahoma at this point. Now, here's something worth noting too. We've been doing this college football playoff since 2014 now, and the lowest ranked team at this point in the season to ever make the college football playoff was Michigan State back in, I believe it was 2015, 
Yep. They were ranked ninth in the country, the same ranking that Oklahoma State is at right now. And they ended up getting one of the four spots in to ultimately make the playoffs. So that is what's in front of them at this point. Tom, realistically, if I'm Oklahoma State and if I'm Oklahoma, yes, you would love to make the playoff. That would be great. But I think your first order of business is trying to win out and try to get that Big 12 crown first. I think that's priority number one, and you just hope that uh, it works out where you can get an invite to the playoff around the way. I, I don't think you're you're counting on going to the college football playoff at this point. You're doing what you can to win the conference first. Right, and I think if they went out, I mean, you know, me and Billy Locke talk about this. It's literally been on my mind for literally since the blowout of TCU last week. Uh, you know, I think for Oklahoma State, you went out and then you figure out what happens. I think nothing else matters. You go in, you know, you, I think the most important part, you have to take care of tech this week. Um, it's some, I mean, I'm not, a, I, okay, I say I'm not superstitious. I'm actually very superstitious about sports. I tweeted about it on Saturday and, and, and how I literally wear the same thing to the games. Uh, I do the same, almost like a ritual at this point. I pour bourbon into a cup and I'm sure you've seen it play the OSU fight song behind it. It's bullet bourbon. You know, here comes bullet. If you know what OSU is, the horse that runs out after every touchdown. Bullet's good bourbon. It is. It is. You know, and so every game day, the only game day I haven't done it this year was Iowa State because I had a wedding. Um, and so, you know, I, I did it the first game against Missouri State. I was also at a wedding, but I used pocket shots instead of a bottle. Um, so, you know, it is what it is on that. But I think you take care of Tech, spooky to play in Lubbock. Lubbock is like Ames light, um, especially night game. It's way out in West Texas. There's nothing out there. You, you got to take care of business of that game first. Then you have Bedlam. Uh, we all know, especially OSU fans, know that the complex that Mike Gundy has against OU, I'd, I'd argue that this is the best chance. This is – I'm, I'm probably going to eat crow, maybe. I hope not, but I'm going to say it. This is the year that OSU should win Bedlam. The other previous years that OSU should win Bedlam or should have would have been one 2011. They should have won that. And then they should have won in 2013. And then, you know, dumbass Blake Bell had to drive down the field and, and score the game winner um, in the fourth quarter. So, Literally in the last 10 years, there's three out of the seven that OSU should win. OU is on pace to usually win about six out of every seven bedlams. This is the time for OSU. It's about that time. Um, there's no excuse. You know, they have it all put out in front of them. They know what they have to do. If they win out, Jones, like you said, I think, it's, I think they should be focused on winning the Big 12 first. If they do win out. Let's say they beat Tech, they would beat OU, and then if Baylor holds up their end of the bargain, they would again play Baylor in the Big 12 championship. You win all that, I don't see – I don't see the committee leaving off a one-loss Big 12 championship or championship champion. I don't see it. I'd, I'd be very shocked. It, it just depends on what the others are. Like, like if, if Bama loses. Now, if Bama wins, that could jack some up. I mean – you know, I, I think a one-loss Oregon gets in over a one-loss Oklahoma or Oklahoma State because of the Ohio State win. Um, 
you know, it all really just depends. It's hard to say. I, I'm not there with you as far as definitively one way or the other that a one-loss Big 12 champion makes the playoff um, just because there's so many, you know, outliers that need to be worked out. But um, what do you think the most likely solution is? Or what do you think the most likely scenario will be? I have mine in my head. I think Oregon is going to lose another game. So that knocks out the Pac-12. To Utah. I think, yes. Uh, potentially Utah, potentially the Pac-12 championship, whatever it may be. I think Oregon is going to lose. So that takes care of Oregon out of the playoff picture. Out, uh, Pac-12's gone. I'm not counting on the ACC. I don't think Wake Forest or anybody like that is going to be a part of the picture. So that's gone. I think then that puts Cincinnati and Georgia in, taking up two spots. Then you have the Big Ten champion, whether it's Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan State. I think they get a spot. And then your last spot, I think ultimately, then it's the discussion of assuming Georgia beats Alabama. Then it comes down to Notre Dame or a one-loss Big 12 champion. And I don't know. I, that's what I think this is ultimately going to finish out. If you made me put money, how this all plays out right now, I would say that the playoff discussion at the end of the day becomes Big Ten champ, Georgia, Cincinnati, and then for the final spot, either a one-loss Big 12 team or a one-loss Notre Dame. So I, I agree with that. I could see that. I would say, and maybe this is more hopeful than anything, I would say Georgia beats Alabama. A lot of, I mean, that is very, the, the SEC championship is so contingent on that game. It literally affects the whole landscape of college football, at least in terms of the playoff. If Georgia yeah, beats if Alabama, Alabama wins, they're both in, no question. Right. And then you got two spots left to fit in either Pac 12, uh, Big 10, Cincinnati, and Big 12, uh, which will be a complete clusterfuck if that happens. And now, if it doesn't, you got Georgia at one. You would essentially put then two if Cincinnati. Do you put Cincy at two if they win out? They still have to play SMU, which is no slouch, and they still have to play Houston, which is nine and one, and their only loss being to a Tech team that just beat Iowa State. Right. I mean, Cincinnati has a difficult couple of games left. Yeah. Uh, you have Oregon, which is you know I think people are already betting on Oregon to lose. It looks like they'll play Utah twice, I'm assuming. And and a lot of people are counting on Oregon to lose either this week or in the Pac-12 championship, which, you know, I don't know if they will or not. Cincinnati has a good shot to lose. I think Ohio State is in. I don't think they drop – they look – they're looking like they're playing some of the best football. Uh, you know, after the Nebraska close game, it looks like Ohio State's on the way. To, to be in, in the playoff for sure. Um, and then you have the Big 12, you know, if the Big 12 championship, if, if, if OSU wins this week, OU wins this week, and Baylor wins this week, if OSU goes and drops a game to OU and then turns around and OSU beats OU in the Big 12 championship, then we, you know, sacrifice the Big 12 ever being in the playoff this year. I mean, it's very oh, – the Big 12 has one way out of this, and it's a one-loss champion. And that there's there's no – anything else happens than that, it's over. I think that either OU or OSU will win out. And if you, if Bedlam was played today, I'd put all my money on OSU right now. 
Um, they are more physical on the offensive and defensive line, a much better defense. Their offense is coming together. Oklahoma State's a better team right now. I would put my money on the Pokes if they played this week, but we'll, uh, we shall see how that goes. Uh, speaking of Oklahoma, by the way, rumors swirling about Lincoln Riley and LSU. Tom, I don't think this is going anywhere. I do not believe for a second that Lincoln Riley is headed to Baton Rouge. Yes, there was some weird stuff that went on last week. I totally understand, of, you know, the, the situation of with Lincoln, uh, you know, taking a personal day. And then all of a sudden we see that there's a flight from Norman to Baton Rouge on a private plane happening, uh, according to Flight Tracker. Hmm. You know, there, there was some weird stuff going on here. But look, LSU is not afraid to spend money. We saw how much they're paying at Orgeron. Oklahoma's got money. But Lincoln Riley's not making that elite SEC money. To me, I, I think it, the only thing that is going to come out of this is Lincoln Riley getting a big payday from the Sooners. It would be a lateral move. LSU doesn't offer anything that he doesn't have at Oklahoma. He's already well established. That's his program. He's got stability. He can have that job for the next 20 plus years. I don't see Lincoln Riley going anywhere. Um, just might be looking for a higher paycheck. Now, did it affect the way they played against Baylor? Potentially it did. That team was not well prepared for that matchup. They were not ready to take on that Baylor team. Um, you know, maybe maybe that was a part of that. Maybe that was a reason why, a distraction of some sorts there. But I would be shell-shocked if Lincoln Riley's going to Baton Rouge. And with them joining the SEC, I don't think OU fans would ever forgive Lincoln for that move either. No, I don't think they would either. And this reminds me, this is colors of Mike Gundy to Tennessee. Um, you know, it's very the same situation. Uh, did, did Lincoln Riley go to Baton Rouge and visit with LSU? I think so. I think you'd be stupid not to, honestly. Um, even though if you're established at OU, I get it. I think you'd be stupid not to visit LSU and see just what they have to say. I don't think that hurts anything. Just to, you know, see what. Not only that, I think that the boosters and I think the university, you know, he went and met with them. And, you know, he kind of did like Mike Gundy did to OSU and say, well, pay me more to keep me here. I don't think he would ever leave anyway. But I think it's kind of a smoke and mirrors type situation where, okay, I can get paid. I want to stay at OU and I want more money. And we're going to the SEC. Let me get that sweet, sweet bonus on top, stay where I want, and kind of force OU's hand. Um, it's not to say that OU wouldn't get a great coach. You know, that's just kind of the sooner magic way to stumble and fall on their face right into greatness, as they so often do. Um, see Caleb Williams. Um, but, you know, I think they would be just fine if Lincoln did leave, but it would be a tough transition um, try, you know, getting a coach and then going to the SEC with a brand new coach. Um, I think that would, uh, I think immediate, I mean, it would be, I think it would be the most attractive opening in all of college football if Lincoln was to go to LSU. Um, I don't know who would go, who would OU get. They wouldn't take, I don't know if they would, I don't know if Urban Meyer would do that. I don't, I don't have no clue. I, I mean, it's fun to play. What if and call up Dave if. Aranda and say, uh, how do we do that type of ass beating? How do we do that here? Yeah. Can you imagine that would be the, the weirdest timeline ever, you know, 
LSU goes or Lincoln goes to where Aranda was and probably will go. And then you have, you know, Aranda going to where he just whooped. That would be a, a turn of events. Um, but, you know, OU is going to be just fine. Um, maybe it affected the way they played against Baylor. I hope that wasn't the case. I hope they're just down bad this season um, coming from a fan perspective. But I think Jones, to be all honest with you, he did go to Baton Rouge. There's that's too much of a coincidence. Who else is flying out of Norman to Baton Rouge? It'd be different if there was a flight from, you know, Oklahoma City to New Orleans. Right. If he did, I don't respect that at all because it was game week. You should have been there for your team. Um, you know, it's not this is not the time to be negotiating contracts right now. The time this is the time to be trying to win football games. So I hope that Lincoln wasn't in Baton Rouge, but uh, if he was, uh, I think that's pretty distasteful to uh, the respect of an Oklahoma team that was undefeated at the time, looking at the college football playoff. So. But uh, who knows? We'll see if we find out the truth on that someday. Uh, let's go ahead and look through this Big 12 slate real fast. Uh, starting at 11 a.m., Oklahoma and Iowa State. Iowa State coming off that loss to Texas Tech last weekend on the road. OU at 9-1 and one here. Sooners looking to get back on track. Historically speaking, Tom, OU is really good at avoiding back-to-back losses here. Um I think OU comes back with a nice response after that game against Baylor last week. And, and Iowa state is not physical like Baylor is. They are a finesse football team. Oklahoma should not have uh, any worries about getting outworked like they were last week against Baylor here. I think OU wins. I- I'd give them about a, a touchdown or 10 point advantage here. Yeah. I think they get back on track too. I, I haven't heard. I assume Caleb Williams is the starter this week. Oh uh, yes. Right. I think they'll be fine. Um, Iowa State, you know, we'll see which team shows up. Um, but if their defense plays anything like they did against Tech, OU is going to thrash them. Um, and, I, you know, I don't think while, you know, OU's defense is not the greatest, I don't see, you know, I don't see Iowa State running, running wild or, you know, passing over their heads too much. Uh, that Asimo kid for OU – looked great in that Baylor loss, but, um, you know, maybe he's the only one actually playing well at this moment or for OU, but we'll see. Um, Iowa State's no slouch. They can still sneak in to the Big 12 championship game through a small, very small loophole. I don't know that they will want to play for anything. I don't know if you heard the Matt Campbell comment uh, about not playing for the Big 12 championship, but playing to become better versions of ourselves. I thought that was a cop-out comment. Pretty uninspiring from uh, Matt Campbell there. Which is uh, kind of shocking. Yeah. Texas taking on West Virginia, both teams at four and six. Man, a few weeks ago, Texas probably would have been heavy favorites in this game, but they've been so bad as of late on this five-game skid. And you look at the rest of the way for Texas. West Virginia on the road this week and then K-State at home the week following. We very well could be talking in a couple weeks, Tom, about Texas finishing on a seven-game losing streak. That is not out of the question here. These two games are uh, games that probably Texas is not going to be favored in in either game to end the season here. They got West Virginia this week. Who do they got the following week? 
K-State. Oh, no, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if they lost out. I mean, uh, you know, Sark even said after that KU loss, he wouldn't be shocked if there was like 33 new scholarship players on the roster come next season. Uh, he's completely lost the team. Um, you know, and I think Neil Brown, I think Neil Brown's probably coaching for his job at this point. Um, so, you know, not much to lose on the Texas side. You're already done. They're not going to make a bowl game. There's no way. They're going to lose to at least West Virginia or K-State. They're, they're not finishing better than one and one to finish the season. And, and like I said, West Virginia, Neil Brown's coaching for his job, I think, at this point. Um, I, I'll come out and say it. I like West Virginia. I like them by 14. Yeah, I like West Virginia here, too. Um, I think that they're more equipped for this one. And and uh, their defense, so much better than Texas's defense. That Texas defense has been so awful uh, these last few weeks. Kansas taking on TCU, the Jayhawks. We mentioned off the top of the show, coming off that big-time win against Texas. TCU, meanwhile, sitting at four and six, has been a roller coaster of a season. They took a beatdown against OSU last weekend after beating Baylor the week prior. And you just the way things have gone so up and down here, we don't know what TCU team is going to show up. There might be another opportunity for Kansas to compete and uh, make this a game of some sorts. If they play like they did last week, they'd probably beat TCU, Tom, in all honesty. Right. And, you know, for TCU, they're pretty much out of running backs. I don't think Evans is coming back this season. Probably, honestly, might transfer out. Um, the way it's looking. I think he only came to the TCU because of Gary Patterson. Um, so I think Evans is done for the season. Um, you got Jalen Daniels saying, the hell with it. I'm burning the red shirt. I'm going to play. Uh, KU has momentum. TCU, you know, kind of lost, looking for a new coach, looking for a new identity. Wouldn't be shocked. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it, but I wouldn't be shocked. Can you imagine the motivation for anyone to go to a school because of Gary Patterson? I mean, you know, and, and Evans was a was a Bama kid, um, if I remember right. He, I mean, he, I wouldn't mind having Evans on OSU. From what I've seen from him, he's a badass. Um, but you know, and he, I mean, some players, some coaches speak to players in certain ways, and they follow them wherever they go. Wanting, um, wanting to go play for Gary Patterson is over Nick Saban. That's the equivalent of like Mike Myers being your favorite actor. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, you know, maybe. Man, I just I really know, love Gary Austin Patterson. Powers, man. Yeah. Right. Maybe Gary Patterson paid him a lot of money. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, I mean, KU has – they have what it – I'm not going to say they have what it takes. I think they do. I'm not going to say that. But they have the momentum, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of Lance Leopold. They've been comparing him to Ted Lasso. Uh, I think he's got this team a little inspired, especially I think I think KU's I think either KU comes out and wins the game or I think they take an ass whooping. Uh, I, I don't think there's any in between. I think there's some in between. I like TCU to win, but I don't like this to be a blowout. Um, should be fun, though. And uh, Lance Leipold now has the nation's ten, uh, entrance interest. Uh, Travis Goff, their AD, also being talked about as well. So. Uh, we'll see where that it all ends up at the end of the day. Baylor taking on K-State. Trap game here for the Bears as K-State's played really good football as of late. And Skyler Thompson's played well. K-State's at home here. 
Um, Tom, what I like about this is you got two physical teams, two teams that aren't afraid to run the football, that are good up front on both sides of the ball here. This is a Big Ten game in the Big 12 Conference. Oh, 100%. And you mentioned it. Uh, trap game for Baylor. Um, you know, and, and I, there's also a way for K-State to, you know, a lot of chaos has to happen. But obviously it starts with K-State winning out. Um, and from what I've seen on Reddit, just reading game threads and, uh, future game threads, um, a lot of Baylor fans, I think are super nervous. They should be, uh, I don't think Baylor has been too hot in Manhattan over the past few years. Uh, Manhattan's no place to mess around. It's not, Manhattan's not so much spooky like Ames or Lubbock. It's just that K-State is a, is a tough out no matter, you know, where you're at. So I've. I think Baylor probably wins this game, but it's not going to be easy. Last one for you, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Uh, we talked about earlier how spooky uh, Lubbock can be. Texas Tech is bowl eligible. They had a nice uh, win, that game winner last week, that uh, got them uh, bowl eligible with uh, the 62-yarder at the end of regulation. The radio announcers got suspended. Uh, that was kind of bizarre and very stupid of the Big 12, very on brand of the Big 12. But uh, here we go. Oklahoma State heading into Lubbock. Tom, Oklahoma State's so much better here. Oklahoma State, we talked about it. You're going for the Big 12 title. You're trying to get in the college football playoff. I don't think this is going to be close. I think the Cowboys win this one going away. They, they put on performance similar to what they did last week against TCU. You know, I hope you're right. Um, you know, it is spooky going into Lubbock. They have it in front of them. They can do it. Um, you know, Tech's defense, not great. Um, OSU should be able to run the ball well. Um, you know, Tech's offense, though, I think it, you know, it comes down to this Jim Knowles defense. How many points are they going to allow? Um, you know, I think if OSU scores more than 24 points, I think you can write this as a dub um, for the Pokes. But, uh, you know, I, I'm nervous, you know, being a superstitious fandom that I am. I'm, I am nervous for this game. I think I, you talked about it like the Bills earlier when we were talking NFL. Only the Bills can really beat the Bills on their, you know, when playing, it seems like. And I think that's the case for OSU in this game. Um, come out, take care of business. But OSU, I've, I've been hurt before. Um, so I think they, they should win this game. They should come out win. I'm thinking OSU 34-17, some, some score like that. Offense has been playing well lately. Um, but I'll, I'll be watching this game with, with bated breath and with a drink of bullet in hand. I love it. That sounds great. All right, before we get out of here, Tom, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Where shall we head to this time? Jones, uh, you know, we were going to do, I sent you this at the beginning of the week, we will shout out Honorable Tom Fuller mentioned to uh, to the city of Lawrence and the uh, just the, the all the students at KU for trying to sneak into David Booth Memorial and try to take down the goalposts. They were unsuccessful. Um, it was as a valiant Austin, effort. It was a valiant effort. Um, so honorary shout out mentioned in that Tom Fullery. I, I imagine if I was a freshman or a sophomore at KU, um, I would have been maybe one of the leaders of that charge. You would have got uh, a though. 
I would, yeah, maybe. I think so. Uh, you got to create distractions, and I don't think distractions were created. But valiant effort, I think if they win TCU, they should just take the take the goalpost down just as a just as a symbolic, you know, symbolic uh, future, hopefully for for KU. Um, but we won't go there. Um, but like I said, honorary mention, Jones, we are going to go to China. Um, and this is kind of, I, I don't know how this works, but you know what? It is, it is China. They do have some crazy technology and, uh, Jones this is about a goat farm in China. Okay. Article reads, this is from Australian news review. Reads Chinese goat farm is using facial recognition to stop incest. It seems even farm animals in China can't avoid being tracked by the latest technology. Verge City Farm, based in Shanghai, is now trialing facial recognition technology to stop incest among its flock, which could be set up for full rollout in 2022. The artificial intelligence technology uses a camera to track goats that are housed together that may be related to one another based on color coding. If two related goats start trying to mate, the technology will send staff members at the farm updates on their phone so they can put a stop to it. The system will improve work efficiency and quality of livestock by eliminating incest-related birth defects. System tracks each goat's area and weight. Facial recognition can also avoid inbreeding among the goats based on color coding. Staff members at Versity Farm get a live stream on their phone and updates when two related goats may be trying to make. Uh, mate, sorry. John, before I continue, can you imagine your job? You just just think you're out on a date with old girl. You guys are getting a couple drinks at the bar or whatever. Had a nice dinner. And, you know, you work this job and you're on call, let's say. And, you, you know, you talking about your job and you just tell a girl, yeah, I work at a farm and, oh, that's cool. And, you know, we get to be all around all these animals. We're having drinks at the bar and then you get an update that two goats are trying to fuck and you got to leave. Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, you're like, hey, sorry, I got to leave. I got to stop this. I got to stop this uh, incestuous behavior by staying and, and stand and flow. Get right. down on go, the farm. Come on, go put a sock on the door, guys. Right, you know, and it's like Stan's trying to bang his sister Flo, and we got to put a stop to this. You got to leave and, and go break up two goats banging one out. Um, God, I do. I don't. I I need a, a an ask me anything from one of these farm employees. How does it work? Verge City Farm is fitted with cameras over goat pens. These provide a stream to staff computers. The camera feed is integrated into artificial tech. And artificial intelligence technology that estimates its weight and other factors. Color coding identifies goats that are related. It can also recognize other characteristics in each of the goat, including behavior, body shape, and exercise patterns, as well as early signs of disease, including sore mouth and diarrhea. It uses infrared to measure each goat's body temp and can alert staff if it rises above 104. Thanks to technology, the farm only needs to hire seven people to manage 10,000 goats. These staff members receive updates on their phone, which means they can do other jobs on the farm while technology keeps tabs on the goat flock. Workers don't have to monitor the goat's condition on the spot, says uh, chairman of the Wan Technology Development Group, which has developed the system. For example, we currently have 11 people to manage 3,000 goats. The system can show the information of every goat on the computer screen, including its gender, age, weight, as well as the state of health, vaccination, and pregnancy. 
System tracks each goat's area and weight. Facial recognition can also avoid inbreeding among the goats based on the color coding. I feel like this this news report is uh, very repetitive. Um, they mentioned another Chinese farm has already begun using facial recognition tech on pigs to help to boost animals' productivity during a pork shortage. Um, Jones, it, it keeps going. I, you know, I get it. They are, you know, essentially not wanting inbred goats, which I get. That can cause a lot of problems, and I'm sure it happens a lot in other farm areas. Does it have to get down to facial recognition on a goat? I don't know. Yeah, they said 10,000 goats. Yeah, that's, I mean, so that's going to be the end game in all this. Just watch. That's, there's so many goats. That's 10,000 goats. And you're telling me, okay, if 10,000 goats all are not related, 5,000 of are male, 5,000 of are female, they hook up and each one has a kid. Literally, I think that's what they call baby goats or kids. Um, then, you know, that is another five that what would be another 5,000 goats um maybe they switch them out I don't know I wonder if they have keep charts on if Sally made it with Brian or if Carol made it with Joe you know um it seems like a lot of goats and you know seems like a lot of uh tracking who's banging who on the goat farm for just what they call like seven people to manage 10,000 goats. I don't want that job. That's, I wouldn't classify it as a micro dirty job, but maybe in a sense it is. I don't want live stream of goats banging on my phone. Yeah, that'd be too much for me. I don't want the nanny cam of the goats on my phone of them having a good time. Right, literally, yeah, the nanny cam, there you go. Um, yeah, yeah, it just seems... Like, what if you get an update? Like, imagine being woke up, right? And, and, you know, parents that are listening to this, you can say, well, I get woke up by kids vomiting or nightmare or something like that. Or I get woke up because the dog's on the carpet. Um, imagine getting woke up to an alert from your phone that two goats that are related are banging one out and you got to get up and run out of the house to stop it. I'm not, they better be paying a ridiculous amount. I'm not doing it. I do a lot of jobs. That's one that I would not do. Well, and who's to say that the goats are going to take it well either? You might be putting yourself in danger doing that. I mean, the goats, you know, some goats are no BS. They'll ram you. I've been rammed by a goat before. Wait, wait, wait hold on. What the hell? You've been rammed by a goat? Well, yes. Uh, a, a big, probably the biggest goat you've ever seen in your life. In, Way in to Washington. catch the lead. How did you not start off with this? I, well, I didn't think about it. Um, I guess maybe not a goat. I'm trying. It's been it's been like 11 years since this happened. I went to Washington, state of Washington, on a mission trip with a church group back summer before I went to OSU, and uh, we went to Yakima, Washington. I've been there. Which is on the yeah, on the dry side, and then there's a little town outside of Yakima called White Swans, like the poorest community, like top three poorest community in the nation a lot of native americans uh there's a reservation not too far from there i'm talking houses made out of hay and mud no lie covered in tarps it's terrible so we go there to help out build some i think we you know what youth groups usually do we have a attempt at trying to build a house 
where about 1,500 youth groups come during the summer and literally put up, you know, bang in a couple nails. And then, you know, it's in good faith. But we go do that and we work on the farm too there. My sister had stayed a couple summers prior with these people. Um, still talks to them this day. They're great people. Um, and so we go. She tells her, you know, we should go help, you know, the, whatever. I forget what it's called. Some of the mission church and yeah, come on. So we go up there and help. So I'm working on the farm. The first day I was there, I had the uh, privilege to uh, demo a house. So I'm, you know, 18 and swinging a sledgehammer, knocking out walls, having a great time. And the next day I get the bailing hay when I kick my ass. Well, then the next day I get to take care of the farm animals, whatever. That's cool. So I'm going to feed this. And I think, to be honest, I think it was a ram. So sheep. It's big. One of the biggest rams I've ever seen. And uh, they're like, man, you got to watch him. He's, he'll try to get you. He's, he's sneaky. So I'm like, whatever. They open up the electric gate and are bringing the hay in there to feed him. And I keep my distance. They're like, you turn your back, he's, he'll, he'll come for you. And I'm like, all right, whatever. He's big. Um, put the hay down and make sure everything's good. Make sure the water's good, whatever. So I leave and go put the go to put the electrical gate back and I you know I'm bending down to hook them back there's little rubber holders where you hold on to it so the fence doesn't shock you and you bend down and hook it back to the latch and as I'm bending down to grab them off the ground and put them back um the ram starts coming for me full sprint <laughs> and I'm like oh no you know and so I'm hurrying up. I'm trying to watch him to see, you know, how close he's about to get to me before he hits this electric fence. And I touch the electric fence. Oh, no. And it shocks me so hard. And you can bleep me here in front of the whole church members and group and everybody. Um, as this fence shocks me, it blows me back. Not super far, but enough to put me on my butt. I mean, it poof, you know. And I just yell, F is the loudest I could yell it. Just so loud in front of this whole church mission group. Because um, one, it scared me. Second, it hurt. And this ram was about to obliterate me. He didn't hit me because I, I hooked the electric fence. But in doing so, I grabbed the barehanded right on the on the line. So I won't do that again. I'm not. I'm a city kid. I'm not a farm kid. Uh, and that is the story of how I about got obliterated by a ram. Wasn't a goat. Same thing. They both have horns. I don't want any business and in the goat business or the sheep business. Out of that, you gained so much respect for the animal, you became a Rams fan. Well, I was a Rams fan before, so, you know, he, he shouldn't have tried to do me wrong. I was like, listen, I know the Rams have sucked, but that's no reason to take your anger out on a guy that's just fed you. <laughs> And you know, if We're I was on the same team, it, man, if I wouldn't have hooked it back, I probably would have had traumatic brain injury because uh, he was coming full speed, full rack of horns. He was he was going to jack me up. So and, you know, amazing. by now he's by now he's probably dead. I hope he is. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was a video of this. Oh, I'm so glad there's not. Listen, I'm here to tell you, I yelled that curse word so loud, Jones. Uh, it probably scared the ram. Yeah. And everybody just looked at me, and I just kind of was like, ah, sorry, guys. 
and the main farmer guy would just laughed and laughed and he said told you you gotta put watch where you put your hands on that fence i said listen your animal over here about just rocked my life right you know okay, he, he would have he, he was he was big one time when my dad and my uncle were growing up my dad convinced my uncle his younger brother to uh to pee on an electric fence <laughs> oh gosh and uh his uh brought some electric shock to his uh you know to his uh his manly parts you know he, he didn't feel so manly uh, did it really yes traveled up the stream and yeah shocked him yeah oh my See, god I'm, I'm thankful that was on my hands yeah and not somewhere else because it could have been a lot worse because it did i'd like to know how many volts maybe i'm overstating it because it's been 10 years and i tend to hype a good story up no i'm here to tell you that it it put me on my butt you know we've had some great time full race i can't believe this is the first time i've ever heard the story about i can't believe i can't believe i haven't told you this story yeah, you know this was better yeah. than the actual Tom Fullery's just hearing oh, it, this story. It did. It. I'm. I'm here to tell you. It put me right on my ass. I mean, it was. I never touched anything that shocked me that hard ever. Ever since then, because it. And you know, it didn't like hurt her like afterwards. I think it just more like it like knocked. It was like getting hit by Ray Lewis. It just knocked the the breath right out of me. Not to mention, I was terrified of getting my head smashed in by a huge animal <laughs> i'd like to have to see a picture of it i guarantee you that i mean i don't know i don't know what a normal sheep or ram weighs but i know it was on the larger end and yet it you're trying to get me to go to a petting zoo after your experience <laughs> see yeah see exactly you wouldn't you you already i'm surprised i haven't told you that story since we talked about how much you hate petting zoos so you definitely would do the the survey goats having sex job yeah, I'm gonna hard pass in that one. So that's like your worst nightmare. Yeah, no thanks. On that note, we will run. Big thanks to our friends at the Bebo Boys podcast for stopping by. Joe Scanlon, Creighton Branch, give them a follow. Check out their show, part of the Studio Soapbox Network, out each and every Monday on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Check out that show. Check out Coach Bo, who was also here as well. Uh, the Coach Bo Knows show out every Monday and Friday, as well as Let's Go Racing and Raw Tools with Luke Slaybaugh on this show as well. Hit that like button, subscribe. We certainly appreciate it on all podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at Toddler Jones Live, at Studio underscore Soapbox, at Thomas underscore Bridges, Facebook.com forward slash Toddler Jones Live, forward slash Studio Soapbox, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Toddler Jones Live, and Insta Thomas is where you can find us there. And we'll see you right back here next week. We're going to try to get the show out a little bit early next week with Thanksgiving and everything. So uh, be looking for that. We'll uh, let you know when uh, we have that ready to go. So certainly look forward to that, and uh, we'll get out of here. Thomas Bridges of Tyler Jones, thanks so long. This has been another Distance Jones Report. We'll see you next week.